Is Darth Vader my father? Your father is. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the Force. You must face Darth Vader again. This week on the High Ground Podcast, we dive deep into Return of the Jedi. Thank you, everyone, for joining me here on the High Ground Podcast. Um, I'm excited because we're doing the Return of the, Return of the Jedi today. Uh, for a long, long time, that was my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, it ended up getting passed by a couple. It's my number three right now, but um, I, I still love it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just noticing on the notes I sent you, it might have said Empire Strikes Back somewhere on there. Yeah, but, I know. But <laughs> I, I, I apologize. I was just like, oh, that's that's weird. Um, okay. <laughs> anyways, I uh, want to go around and introduce everyone. Um, and I will have a start by saying, you know, who are you? How'd you get started with Star Wars? And um, what do you appreciate about the original trilogy? Because we're talking about the trilogy ender here. Uh, I'm going to go to JC Brady first. All right. What's up? Um, my name's Jacob, uh, JC Brady on TikTok. Um, how did I get started with Star Wars? Uh, both my parents were big Star Wars fans. Um, literally the earliest memory I have, like not like not of Star Wars, like ever. My earliest memory is like Luke's hand getting chopped off in Empire Strikes Back. So I saw that when I was like four or five and like I ran into the living room crying because like it was my first time seeing a misplaced limb or something like that. Um, and then like I grew up hating Empire because of that. But then when I got older, I realized it was good. Um, and so um, my mom was also a huge fan of like Carrie Fisher because of like her whole thing with like mental health. And my mom's like, uh, has like a master's degree in psychology. So she was a big fan of that. She was very, very sad when she passed away. Um, we all were. Yeah. And uh, What do I appreciate about the original trilogy? Um, for me, I've said this so many times, like it's my favorite trilogy by far of all Star Wars because like, out of the three trilogies, um, the original trilogy is the only one where I could pick any of the three movies and be like, yeah, I can watch any of them and enjoy them to their fullest. Where it's like in the prequels and the sequels, there's like one I really love. There's one I can enjoy on a good day. And then there's one that I just can't enjoy no matter how, no matter what I do. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so bad. And that, I know like a lot of people here are big fans of the sequels and um, that's just my take. And I also know there are a lot of people who are big fans of the prequels. I'm not the biggest on like either of them. The OT is like what I like grew up watching a lot because it's what I like loved about it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and nothing, nothing wrong with that, right? It's it's all love. That's why uh, whenever I invite people, it's always about what they love. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's the focus. Um, how about you, Victoria? So I am Victoria. Um, how I got started with Star Wars, it was a total family affair. I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I view Star Wars like a heritage and it's something that we share with one another. Um, and that's what makes it so lasting and so impactful. Um, so it's a communal experience, but it's also a very personal experience. And so um, getting to experience that with my family and then finding characters and movies that I could personally connect with. So um, I remember one of the first, oh, the first PG-13 movie I ever saw was Revenge of the Sith in yeah. theaters. 
Yes. So it's like a, um, a rite of passage. I like it. It is. It's a rite of passage. Um, and I also, I mentioned this last podcast, but I cried so hard that I had to get taken out of the theater. So I never saw Anakin rise in his Vader suit. And I think that would have helped me because <laughs> I, I always loved Darth Vader. Um, but it was just something I really enjoyed with my family, my brother and I, I, I thought this was like a fever dream for the longest time, but I finally had it confirmed. You know, that game, it was like a plug and play into your television. And it was like a little lightsaber that was like this big. And you had a little battle droid camera that you sat on top of your TV. And it was not the connect game. It was before the connect game. We would play that all the time. And it was so like glitchy and terrible. <laughs> But it was so fun. Um, and then as far as the original trilogy and what it means to me, um, obviously it's the start of Star Wars. It's a feat of storytelling. Um, and in this, we see our hero win his great battle, not by outstrengthing the villain, but by loving the villain. And so it was, you know, something incredibly different. Um, yeah. I, I just, I think it's a really beautiful testament to how beautiful the storytelling is and how much it has impacted media in general for uh for all of time yeah i mean star wars uh i, I think i spoke about this last time you were on victoria of like who started the blockbuster film is it star wars or is it jaws um my votes for for star wars but it's arguments can be made for for either mm -hmm. uh but how about you emily um, well, I'm Emily, and I, um, my family has always been into Star Wars. Like both of my parents were big nerds, or still are, and um, I have a little brother. So like I grew up um, getting hit by many plastic lightsabers and like just playing Lego games. Like I have so many vivid memories of playing um, all of the Lego Star Wars games with my little brother growing up. Um, and then in 2015, when the sequels came out, it like reawakened my love of Star Wars. Um, but the original trilogy was always what we watched the most as a family. It was what my parents' favorites were. And now it's what my favorite is. And in terms of uh, Return of the Jedi, I just think that it has something for everyone. I think it's a perfect ending to the trilogy i think it has the most heart it has the most like humor like it's the best of 3po and r2 like there's so many quotable moments um and it just i just love that the way that it ends the way that it ends on a high note yeah. and the way that it shows that about like like literally what victoria said that he wins by loving the villain not defeating the villain yeah well i mean so while, while you are kind of broaching on the subject i i will ask you to continue because you know what exactly makes return of the jedi so special and where does it rank for you and i'll just have you kind of keep going <laughs> uh, um, and, and oh, it's my favorite um for all the reasons that i've mentioned um i think it has the perfect balance of heartbreaking moments and funny moments and just the like Luke's development, I can like touch on that later. Um, like Han and Leia's relationship, uh, the Ewoks. I just, it's the one that I find myself rewatching the most. I have the most fun rewatching it. So that's why it's my favorite. Okay. All right. Um, and so we, we actually, we do have a pretty young crowd here. So I, I got to ask, um, how's everyone on Ewoks? Uh, I'm pro Ewok myself. Uh, I like Ewoks. We love Ewoks. All right. 
So some people get cynical on, on Ewoks. Uh, that was a question later down the line, but I, I just had to ask. Um, uh, how about how about you, Jacob? Uh, what makes Return of the Jedi special, and where does it rank for you? Uh, well, like Emily was saying, like it's just I agree with her. Like it's the perfect ending, like to Anakin's and Darth Vader's story. Like even at the time, like that wasn't even being built, but like Luke, Han, Leia, Vader, like they all had like a perfect ending. I feel like well. Not really ending, but like ending of the trilogy because, you know, Han, Luke, and Leia would like get for a further story in the sequel trilogy. Um, but like at the time, I feel like that was like a really good ending. Like Victoria mentioned, like Luke won by like loving the villain, not um, uh, not overpowering him and like turning away from like the traditional way of like beating a bad guy or whatever. And it was really cool. And like, um, it is like, there's like, it's like one of the only movies where like it's hard like one of the only star wars movies like where it's like hard for me to like pick out what i really don't like about the movie like there's just a lot of it that i like a lot of people don't like the opening and thought it was slow like i personally don't think that um like the in my favorite lightsaber fight is in return of the jedi that's i guess that's kind of a hot take because everyone usually says duel of the fates or empire strikes back or uh revenge of the sith but for me it's like luke versus vader round two where it's just like I feel like that's where the most emotion was. And I feel like Mark Hamill did, and um, I forget who the actor for Darth Vader was. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I feel like they did a fantastic job um, with the choreography. Yeah, um, I mean, David Prowess was the actor, but there was someone else doing the choreography. Um, really? I actually didn't know that. But Victoria will, will let us know who that was because I can't remember his name. But sorry, continue. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't... I knew his name before we started. <laughs> I looked it up on IMDb I and know. I forgot. <laughs> um, no, but I was just wrapping up. And um, it also um, ranks. So in terms of Star Wars movies, like it ranks first for me. In terms of Star Wars media, it ranks second. It's just right below the Clone Wars because like. I definitely prefer TV shows over movies. And like, there's a, like, this isn't a Clone Wars podcast. I don't want to get into everything I love about mm-hmm. Clone Wars in this podcast, but like, they're both really good. And I like how, like, they got more in depth with Anakin's story in Clone Wars and then Return of the Jedi kind of finished it all off for the most part. And we could potentially see more of it. Uh, so I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, I, I'll definitely have to bring you back once we do Clone Wars again. I already did a Clone Wars podcast, no. and no, no joke, me, Mesa Windu, um, Haber Jordan, and Zach Bravo, and we talked for three hours was the podcast, and then yeah. after we wrapped, we talked for another hour, not recording. Yeah, that was That's the amazing. podcast from you I ever saw because Jordan Haber was like, watch this podcast. I'm going to be in it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I want to talk about Clone Wars. And I was like, I'll check it out, Jordan. <laughs> it's so much fun that I, I have to do another one. So we'll... For sure. Just that. hit me up. I'm always down to talk about Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about you, Victoria? Uh, what makes Return of the Jedi special and where does it rank for you? So Return of the Jedi is my second favorite right behind Empire Strikes Back. And so I love this film. Um, And I touch on this a lot in my content on TikTok. And I've spoken on this a couple times um, when I've been able to be on the podcast. But Darth Vader has always been my favorite character. I love everything about him um, and particularly his um, arc in Return of the Jedi. And that's because it was the first time on film that I saw power that resembled like something I could see in myself. Um, It's an inner strength characterized by like passionate, deep love and an act of self-sacrifice. 
Um, not like, I am macho, I'm gonna like beat this with like a final punch. He, you know, he had his greatest power at the height of his love for his son and I can love well. And so I, I really found that to be extremely, um, that, was, that was impactful to me as, as somebody who has been always like soft-spoken and doesn't feel powerful. Um, Darth Vader's arc here was really something that impacted me and has changed my life because now it um, it is a really big in my own conviction to never back down to darkness, even if that darkness is my own. And so I, I really I appreciated Return of the Jedi because of that um, and because of so many other things. Um, on a lighter note, it's the campiest Star Wars film to me. I love how campy it is. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. It is a, like, as you guys were saying, it's a fun watch. Yes, you spend the last 20 minutes in literal tears. Well, I do at least. And so it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a fun watch. It's something that fills you with feelings you can't explain. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, yeah, I fully agree because it, it took a different turn than most things you expect where it is, you know, the hero has to reach a new form to punch out the bad guy. And that's, that's not at all what, what happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, I especially love what, what you said, uh, Jacob, because every single film in the original trilogy, in my opinion, um, is something that you if you're flipping through the channels and you're folding clothes and it's on, you're watching it. It's not distracting. You can just sit there and watch it. I'm not going to lie. You'll stop folding clothes at the end of, of this movie. Um, but you'll, you'll get, hopefully you'll be able to get most of it done during, during it. Uh, and there's, there's certain films that just don't have that same energy. Um, so for me, Return of the Jedi, like I said, it was my number one for a very, very long time. Uh, ended up getting passed by uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, and then my latest rewatch of the entire trilogy, um, actually, The Last Jedi ended up coming to number two. But um, it's it's actually because of Return of the Jedi, you know, watching yeah. all of the scenes with Luke and Yoda together and the lessons that he learned um is and then their their last conversation in, Re in return of the jedi is what orients this whole top three right it's it's all it's all connected so i i love them um but yeah let's let's break into it right because um <clears throat> while i am very willing to say that the first act or the plan to save uh han doesn't make any sense it's still awesome, and I, and I love it. I just don't think it makes sense. So, <laughs> well, I make I make hot takes, and I want you to realize, like the words I say are very specific. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't mean I don't like it. <laughs> um, oh, uh, also, um, real quick, B Dazzler Brooke in the chat wants to say, uh, Victoria, your earrings are amazing. Shout uh, out to is, B Dazzler. Yeah. <laughs> um tell her i'm i'm about to go buy another one because i lost his lightsaber i was playing with him oh so he just has like this guy right now he not ignited ignited asymmetrical <laughs> like look yeah <laughs> it's so fun shout out to far far away factory on etsy go get some 
Yes. Uh, good good friend of our of ours, and so we love her. Uh, also, Element Seven says uh, says to, to Vic, "Welcome back." And um, to uh, JC, he says, "Your type still reflecting." I am. I don't know what that means, but I think I think I know. <laughs> I think I know who he thinks, but that that's not related to Return of the Jedi at all. Um, anyway, that's fair. Oh, just just oh. just had to share. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so awesome. We'll jump into Act One. So we have the opening crawl until like the whole Tatooine section, the whole rescue of Han. Um, I'm curious what jumps out at you guys. And uh, I started with Jacob, and then went to to Emily. So Victoria, I'll have you lead us off. Yay. Okay, so um, the opening, naturally, I have to mention the way that Darth Vader exits the shuttle. I have to mention it. It's so good. It's It's just like the grandiosity of the Empire as the shot pans up. You just see like the Empire has rebuilt. Here we are. We're at this great moment. And then I just love the the uh, emperor is not as forgiving as I am. I just love it. He is so sassy. Um, and then I'll ha- I know Emily will have way more to say on this, but when um, Luke goes to Tatooine and his costuming, and so I'm not going to speak on it too much, but I'll have Emily- <laughs> put a note there. But I love how visually similar it is to when Anakin um, is going to the, the separatists on Mustafar um just visually similar to that um and so you don't know what's going on in Luke's head I guess and uh, I, I think with all of the media we have now it's a little um more impactful I would su- I would suppose especially with the Star Wars 2020 you see him grappling with like I I'm born of the dark side basically like you see that first moment after um he finds out Vader is his father and he's like, what is my destiny really? Is it to be this dark side user, et cetera. Um, and so seeing him enter in the hood in the all black, it's just like, whoa, this is a different Luke. This is not the farm boy you knew on Tatooine. This is a new guy. So um, I, I really love that. Um, and then I love when Leia kills Jabba. I just love it, especially after Bloodline. Um, Hut Slayer. Hut Slayer. Ooh. I love it. Um, I saw somebody trying to defend the costuming choice uh, by saying that in the first two movies, Carrie Fisher was complaining that um, the outfits made her not seem like a woman. And so they were like, ha ha, here's Return of the Jedi. So here we are. But so. Yeah. I don't know if that was a thing. She mostly complained that they didn't let her wear a bra or underwear because they didn't have those in space. Yeah. And Um, so. Which is pretty, <laughs> so <laughs> I um yeah. But back to the Leia killing Jabba thing. I I especially love it after the new release of the Star Wars book. Um and you know like on character profiles. I mentioned this briefly last podcast, but on the under the character profiles they um acknowledge like the the motivations of the characters. And under Leia's it says to like fight injustice or something of that of that nature and so seeing this oppressor that has oppressed Tatooine for ages um and getting to see her be able to like take charge of that was really powerful under that new insight 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I mean, what you were saying at the beginning with uh, with Vader's entry. I, first of all, I actually never made the connection between him walking in to kill the Separatists. Never thought about that before until now, and it just like, whew, yeah. Um, I mean, but, even the hand motions are similar. Like when he closes the door and Luke. Um, I I ha- I'm I must admit I haven't watched Return of the Jedi in a good two three months and it's usually a once a month deal so I'm sorry I'm a little fuzzy. <laughs> no no worries. Um, also that Imperial officer's face. Yeah, you like he's like oh yeah well then you can tell the Emperor yourself when he arrives and he's like no uh, <laughs> yeah he's he's coming uh, and he's not as forgiving as I am and you were like. Wait a you second. Strangle people <laughs> yeah. often. Yeah. There are literally extra stormtroopers on the bridge to drag out bodies. That's their only. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I guess like on that note, just building the grandiosity of the empire and like, w- like what we were talking about with Empire Strikes Back, it's just a, a feeling of anticipation. Um, I-, I know we mentioned that the first act is a bit slow. Um, and I would agree. I would agree with that. The but the the anticipation that's being built, and you're like, wait a second, Darth Vader is not the most big bad person we know, and it's just a lot of anticipation, a lot of building. So I think yeah. that's a good way to do that. Yeah, you can call it slow, but it's in slow intentionally. You mm-hmm. gotta you gotta let the crock pot simmer. You know what I mean? Yes, but um, all right, uh, Emily, Emily, for, first act, and also. I, I didn't realize how much you left Luke. I, I wish I had you on for the Luke episode. <laughs> and I, I apologize, but That's hopefully okay. we'll do some justice here. Um, <laughs> as well as the lightsabers in your background are fire. And I, I got like, are they battery powered or is that like a they're, fixture? Um, they're rechargeable. So I'm crossing my fingers that one of them doesn't die in the process. Um, it probably will. So if you see one, just go out randomly. Oh, then I'll, I'll let it go. All right. <laughs> All right. First act, let's go. Um, I just love <laughs> Victoria knows me so well because that is one of my points that I had is the Luke parallels between Vader. Like when you first see him open those doors and like, granted, it's a dumb plan. He easily could have gone in himself. He didn't need to send Lando and Chewie and then Leia. There didn't need to be like waves. But I like cinematically the way that it builds to being like, oh, like what has happened in this interim time? Like when we first see Luke, I absolutely love the Vader parallels. Granted, some of them are like, you know, post this movie coming out, they were kind of inserted later. But even just the silhouette of his clothes and the fact that he's wearing black, I feel like it, it's a really good foreshadowing of his fight later in the movie and just like we yeah we don't know what's going on in his mind like we see him force choke which I feel like a lot of people forget about when they think that Luke was like you know so innocent like he does force choke those guards um he successfully uses a Jedi mind trick multiple times like you can tell that like he's done some training yeah he's not like Victoria said he's not a little moisture farmer anymore like you're kind of like okay who is this and like the scene where he takes his hood off and he says, you will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. I feel like that's like a, like an oh crap moment. Like, wow, he's, he's done some stuff. Um, and then I would say my second point um, is the Rancor fight, which I feel like not many people like think about. And 
this is probably going to be like way overthinking it, but I rewatched it a couple times this week in preparation. <laughs> and the Rancor fight always terrified me. Like I always kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, did the like hide behind my fingers because it always freaked me out. Um, but the part that stands out to me the most is when the Rancor dies and you see his like owner or whatever come in and you see him cry like that always made me feel bad no matter how scared I was of the Rancor or no matter how much I wanted Luke to win I was always like oh well he that was like his pet he loved him and I feel like it sort of like symbolizes Luke's love for Vader in a way because the Rancor is this like terrifying monster that is only purpose it appears to be is to like eat and kill people but there's somebody who loves him and I feel like it does a really good job of telling the message like early on in the movie. Like there's somebody loves, everybody loves somebody. Like, I'm going to cry, Emily. <laughs> and I feel like <laughs> Vader <laughs> is also a terrifying killing monster, but Luke loves him nonetheless. And yeah. I just like the message that it's, even if I'm reading into it, I just think that's a really nice message. Ooh. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's touching because, um, <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a, a short story about that character in the first Aftermath book about Ooh. how distraught he was because he was the beast master for Jabba's palace and he did raise that rancor personally from yeah. a pup or, or whatever. And so that it, it hits me. Um, I, I'm kind of sad. Uh, I guess he would probably be too old by then. But um, he was also the animal um trainer or whatever for the new town that was formed that we saw in the mandalorian where cobb vanth is so that's actually all connected oh, wow. and part of that but sorry didn't mean to cut you off uh sorry you have more? <laughs> oh that was that was the end of my rancor spiel i just like re-watching it and i was like oh my gosh, it's like he's the monster, just like Vader's the monster. And I just, I don't know, I, that part always makes me sad, but like in a, in a sweet way. Awesome. Ah, I, I love it. And, um, and uh, Jacob, your thoughts? Uh, so for the first act, um, kind of, I haven't heard anyone mention this yet, but like for me, I love how like it kind of like it ended how it started in a way. Cause like it started like on the new Death Star where like they were building just like how a new hope started on Death Star and then in cut after like Vader was talking to like C-3PO and R2 on Tatooine like like going around together so I just thought it was like kind of poetic that it was just like Death Star, R2 and C-3PO on Tatooine together and like I just thought that was like a cool connection I got from like a new hope and Return of the Jedi um and like I forget who mentioned it earlier but um Emily or Victoria were like C-3PO and R2 are at their best in this movie. And I that's definitely like seen <laughs> in the first act, I feel like. Like C-3PO is like always like was scared to go in and like thought there was some mistake in R2. Like he can't talk, but you can hear you just saying, shut up, this is part of the plan. He just didn't tell you. I love that R2 always knows the plan and he never tell 3PO on the plan. I like saw this one meme where it was like, this is how I imagine the conversation with R2 and Luke when it's like, okay, so I'm going to sneak you in a Jabba's palace. Okay. It's like, I'm going to put my lightsaber in your head. Okay. It's like, and then when Jabba captures me and we're about to face death in the right time, you're going to shoot it out of your head. I'm going to front flip and catch it. And he goes, that's freaking sick, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, I, 
And I fully believe it. Because, I mean, they said that they, at the beginning, they toyed around with having R2 speak, um, but he was kind of a dick. (laughs) So so they're like, nah, we'll just make it boop. So now that's ingrained in my head of him just, Mm -hmm. everything is slang. And he's like, he's just real chill. Like, he doesn't care because, you know, he's a robot. Nobody pays attention. And you're like, like, oh, drinks at like the bar on like Java (laughs) Ship. And C3 was like, what are you doing here? And he's just like, dude, chill out <laughs> yes. um also i do want to bring this up uh chaka i know how, like you said um uh like the plan to rescue han was like so stupid which like it very much is i'm not saying it is it but like what i hate about like not like anyone here but like fanboy like certain fanboys in general who like talk about like realism in star wars it's just like nothing makes sense in the universe you don't watch it because it's like all right everything makes sense here it's like you know, Anakin's the chosen one and he's more powerful than all the Jedi, even though he was trained for eight years or something like that. It's like, everything is like, like everything is bent to the writer's will and whatever happens, happens because like the force exists and the force led you to this. Like that's the like force ex machina is like the biggest like thing in the world. Um, Exactly. The the force (laughs) is both deus ex machina and it is a MacGuffin. And uh, and I, I laugh anytime someone says like, oh, it's only that way because the writers wanted it that way. And you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank that's you. That's how it all is. Yeah, like that's, literally. That's the point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, um, yeah, but like, uh, also like I was definitely a big moment for me also in the opening was like, you know, everyone's already mentioned it, but like Luke's entrance, like you like see the gates open and like he's like in this dark silhouette and he has his, he has these black clothes on and then the guards like just kind of like try and stop him. And like, I was expecting like a white lightsaber, not a white lightsaber, but a lightsaber to just be like whipped out out of nowhere. And then he just like, no. And then I was like, okay, uh, he's doing that now. And then like, he's just walks in with this confidence and like his Chanel boots and all. And he's just like, I'm here to take my friends back. And if you try and stop me, you will die. Um, also, I made this connection like a little while, but another like connection with like Luke and Vader is like um, Luke tells Jabba not to underestimate his power and like, you know, revenge of the Sith when Obi-Wan and Vader are facing each other, Anakin Vader. I always like switch the names because he looks like Anakin. But um, there's definitely like, I feel like a lot of people miss it. Like at the beginning, he was like kind of, not really like, enhancing the dark side but like he was definitely a darker kind of kid than like who we saw on Tatooine and A New Hope or who we saw trained by Yoda and Empire Strikes Back um yeah and the whole like even though it's like definitely doesn't make sense and it's like kind of stupid I always love watching like the Tatooine scene where like Luke flips out flips forward catches the lightsaber and um Han Solo like literally kills uh boba out of nowhere he's like this accident yeah accident (laughs) i find so funny because like they wrote that first and like they didn't even have like a real name for boba in empire strikes Mm -hmm. back and then like people were like i like this guy and then like all right i guess we'll make an origin story for him and then like we want more of him and now we have like the mandalorian and he's alive um (laughs) yeah um and i'm interested to see more of that but i don't know i don't know if we're gonna get much more boba this season to be honest i'm more just excited to see my baby ahsoka because <laughs> same same character. here and um 
for anyone watching this on YouTube, you probably will have already seen her. But uh, yeah, this is uh, November 25th that we're recording this on. I always post them a week, a week later. Um, can I just say that um, Bib Fortuna is disgusting looking yeah. and I had yeah. trouble with him all, <laughs> all my life. And I remember like going to the store with my family and there was like bib fortuna action figures and i'm like who who wants that <laughs> they lost so much ma- they probably lost so much money making those who is this for <laughs> i feel like it's like for a prank like is that thing you buy your cousin who you don't really like but like you have to get them a gift because it's yeah. like a sign. <laughs> that's I'm my gonna, gift idea i'm gonna get no, you like my least favorite thing it. in the world and say oh i thought you liked this character <laughs> uh, that's so funny. yeah um and then uh real quick a couple things we didn't touch on is uh for one i loved uh seeing leia is bausch um and, yes you know why because i'm holding a thermal detonator and like mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah there, there's some of the just like real solid lines um and the fact, and I always hearken back to this, is that um, Star Wars started with uh, A New Hope was very, as a simple story of good versus evil. Um, literally, Luke is wearing all white, Vader's wearing all black. That's, you know what I mean? And that's the, the Western slash Samurai influence. Good guys wore white mm-hmm. hats, bad guys wore black hats. That's how you knew. Um, <laughs> Empire, Luke's wearing a gray jumpsuit. Uh, what does that mean? This time he walks up wearing all black. Yeah, they get progressively more and more. Um, uh, there's more depth added each time, and so that's one thing I, I do love. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I can't remember which one of you guys mentioned it, but um, <laughs> Carrie Fisher did talk about being in the Leia bikini and how. Um, so. Carrie Fisher was not a shy person at all and so she was talking about how because the bikini and all that stuff was like solid pieces so like sometimes she tries to sit down and it's all standing up and at weird angles and she's like yep everything was just hanging out and she was just like whatever you you made this not like it's uh, it's just just funny to me but um Leia was just such a strong character I mm-hmm. I did love the you know her rescue attempt even if it was uh preemptive um and then there's just oh lightning round real quick for everyone okay so special edition i was gonna bring this up <laughs> what, what what do you guys think of the special edition just overall versus you know non-special edition um and then specifically Jedi rocks. Jedi rocks. <laughs> Jedi rocks. Oh my god! I want to. I, I I I before we move on, just real quick, we'll hit it. I'll go to uh, to Emily first. Okay, Return of Jedi has the most controversial special edition changes out of all of the original trilogy. Um, Jedi rocks being the most hated one, I think, um, and I do hate it. Um, when I show people Return of the Jedi, I will switch out the DVDs for that scene. And like not play Jedi Rocks because it's just so embarrassing. And like I always point to that scene whenever people who say like Disney ruined Star Wars, George Lucas should have done the sequels, and all those opinions. I always say, did you do you not remember Jedi Rocks? Like, did you want more Jedi Rocks? Because George wanted like 
that's George's vision for Star Wars. He wants Jedi rocks. <laughs> I'm like, if you want more of that, that's fine. But that's what you get when you give George more Star Wars. Um, but overall, I don't mind the changes. And when it comes to the ending, I refuse to watch the yub nub version of the ending the victory celebration mm -hmm. score is my favorite piece of star wars, star wars score ever and i like overwhelmingly prefer that version to me all of the other changes like adding vader's no and like any of the other extra scenes that were added pale in comparison like to the what that adds to the movie so apart from jedi rocks I prefer the special editions. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jacob, real quick. Um, so definitely not a big fan of Jedi Rocks. Um, for me, it's usually just a matter of like, I ignore it. Um, and I feel like it <laughs> shouldn't have been added in the first place. Um, when I think it's like hard for me to like think about something I don't like about the movie, that's definitely like probably the main thing I think of when I do have to think about it. Um, but it's also just like so insignificant and like like Emily said I could just switch out the DVDs and like get a different version but I also think it's funny um Emily you mentioned like if you want George Lucas sequel trilogy you get more Jedi Rocks also in A New Hope um originally R2 and C-3PO were supposed to be like walking around Tatooine for 40 minutes straight instead of like the 15 or 20 or however <laughs> long they were like it was just like yeah we need this and then everyone was like why like, <laughs> are you sure and then it's just like yeah of course why wouldn't i be and then that's why we got the that one droid arc in clone wars that jordan jo i'm not sure if jordan squad yeah no no yeah. he did that was him directly that's what he yeah. wanted yeah like that that's what he wanted and i was just like that's so like stupid and also like like disney did not like ruin star wars i hate it when people say that it's like great uh clone wars season seven clone wars season six um uh mandalorian rebels like comics like do you forget all of this or <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um other than that other than um that i honestly don't prefer i honestly don't mind the ending i kind of thought like it's just whatever i really like the scene where like they're parading around and someone's like carrying a stormtrooper like through the wave like a dead stormtrooper or whatever i think <laughs> that was really funny to me um i like I was okay with like oh, I also really love that they made um they made the Ewoks blink in the special edition because they definitely didn't blink in the original version and that's probably what I feel like people hated about them the most is just they looked lifeless mm -hmm. um, unblinking eyes just, just like, like staring into your soul yeah and I feel like a lot of people hated Darth Vader's no but like I kind of honestly prefer it than just dead silence personally um there's also like a lot that like it adds and I definitely probably prefer the special the like the uh, this I, I i'm i'm think i can't think of words but you know what i mean yeah. um but it's just that one scene that's probably like yeah i wish i could take it out but i don't have the rights to do that so <laughs> let's let's all appreciate though that the twilight dancer they found her again she was this, this was 1983 and they wanted to reshoot. They found the same woman in 1997 
no difference. Had an age today. Yeah. Came they said back she and was in better shape. She was in better was shape. Better yeah. shape. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Well, that scene where she falls into the Rancor pit was added, and that was like how many years later? Like, yeah, a- a- eighty-three to ninety-seven. Um, so, I mean, Victoria, you're you're a dancer, so you can probably speak better, way better on this than I can. But yeah, your your thoughts on uh, special edition versus uh, original? Oh man, have I been waiting for this? So <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but I always say if you can't love me at my 1983 eyebrows, you don't deserve me at my Empire Strikes Back because Vader's 1983 eyebrows, eyebrows. <laughs> I'm so bad. I can't, I can't do it. They're so bad. But so also that that little CGI eyebrow removal was funny. <laughs> I gotta admit. But I think that's why I like Return of the Jedi so much is all of these like Jedi Rock. I love it because it's so absurd. You know what I mean? Like it's just absurd. Okay. And on the note of Yubnub, okay. So the lyrics for Yubnub were written by Joseph Williams. That's the son of John Williams and the lead singer of wow. Toto. <laughs> I did not know that. Yep, nope. Eat Chapu up. Nope. Uh yeah, that's I just can't believe that was written. I just thought they played the yep. music and was like, just, I don't know, do what feels right. <laughs> no, and so I, I love that. Um, and then also the the scenes with like Coruscant in it uh, with the celebration were added. And so they, they were totally constrained at the time because of technology. And so it was like good. They had had this dream of this imperial city, this Coruscant, and being able to put that in was really nice. So... There obviously some of them are just yeah choices, but I will say overall, I like I'm not gonna it. lie though that specific one really captured my imagination because I yeah. saw all these worlds and this is before mm-hmm. the Phantom Menace. I'm like, what are these places? Like, I need to know. And I yeah. tried, you know, I mean, I tried to research them, couldn't find anything. Of course, we we got it later, but um, mm-hmm. awesome. Just just had to hear you guys' thoughts. By the way, I can hit the notes of. Uh, the male singer and Jedi rocks up. I can, I can hit, I can. Yeah. I don't even know. We gotta see it. We gotta um, see full performance. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, moving on to Act Two, right? So after after the whole incident happens, and you know Luke does the the flip up, um, force kicks someone in the face because it doesn't actually make contact. Um, no. But it's just an, an awesome scene. Uh, for anyone wondering in the Mandalorian, the reason that that Sarlacc died was because uh, Java's pleasure barge exploded above it, and a bunch of flaming debris fell into it. So it's it's that's not good for your health um, to have flaming metal bits just rain inside of you. But that's a whole side topic. <laughs> um, but we move on to Act Two. So we have. Um, everyone else returning to the fleet. We have Luke returning to have his last conversation with Yoda. And uh, let's run this all the way through to where Luke um, has the conversation with Leia and decides he's going to go confront Vader. Uh, So we'll leave the conversation with Vader for Act 3. We'll call that the beginning of Act 3. But everything before that, um, Act 2, and uh, we will go to Emily. Okay, 
Um, I really like Act Two because it has the most moments that flesh out the Force, like Luke's conversation with Yoda on Dagobah, and then his conversation with Obi Wan on Dagobah. I really like because it explicitly like lays out some of the like mythos of the Force, like you see. Obi-Wan's force ghost and Yoda disappearing like I feel like it really adds a lot to the mystery about the force um Yoda's conversation with Luke the part I mean this is not like a you know deep moment but when Luke asks if Vader is really is really his father and Yoda just goes rest I need and just like (laughs) tries to die to avoid the conversation always makes me laugh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, let me scroll for 50 <laughs> seconds and I'm good yeah um, so close <laughs> no he's just like, right there um I like how he says confront Vader and not defeat Vader because mm-hmm. it gives you a little inkling of like Yoda kind of maybe knows what's gonna happen um because Obi-Wan doesn't really like he says like oh well you kind of have to kill him like that's the, the vibe that you get from Obi-Wan so I like how Yoda leaves it a little bit more open um and then another moment that I really like it's also kind of like a deeper thinking moment um I don't want to take it from Victoria if she's going to say it but when Vader says uh what is thy bidding my master I feel like it really illustrates that Vader is not as powerful as he might have seemed previously like it really shows that he's just a slave and like it sets up the emperor basically trying to replace him with luke um yeah i i think he like you can see vader starting to let luke through in a sense um like he lets him he lets them go to the moon even though palpatine says like just wait on your ship don't do anything till I tell you. And Vader's like, you know what? Never mind. I'm gonna let them go through and like let all this unfold. Like I feel like you're starting to see that relationship kind of crack. Um, I think those are my my two moments. Awesome. I, I love it. And uh, Jacob, um, back to uh, what Emily was saying, like about uh, Vader and the Emperor. Um, I feel like a big thing was like just when he bowed to the emperor like in front of his entire army because like before that like everyone answered to him like he didn't take orders from anyone he didn't like get anyone's second opinion and then like everyone knows him for that and then he basically like bowed in front of someone in front of everyone who viewed him basically the same way which is like a big statement I feel like because like that like I feel like a lot of them had an idea of like how powerful the emperor was but like if you see the dude who you're scared of like that scared of someone else like then you know you gotta like (laughs) if you move an inch out of place like he will kill you um and so like that's just that was just like really crazy to see um for the first time for sure um also this is definitely when we're introduced to the Ewoks I know these are like this is like Shaylee's least favorite part of the Return of the Jedi. She hates the Ewoks <laughs> for some reason. Something we can agree about, like the one thing. Um, and I personally like. I thought they were. I thought they were cute and adorable, and I loved like Leia's interaction with the one and how like they helped each other. Um, and then I thought it was like funny when they met up again. Like Leia was chilling with all the Ewoks, and then like. Her, her, like the love of her life was about to be burned to the stake by them 
and she was just kind of casual about it like she wasn't even freaking out she was just like what's going on and then like luke was like hey uh 3po tell them you're this like god that will like strike down a reign of terror if you don't do their bidding and then he was just like i don't know what you mean and he's like just do it and then he's like all right well i guess and then like he starts like forcing him through the air and everyone's just like, and then all the Ewoks are just in shock. And then I'm just like, Luke is like manipulative now. And like literally, mm-hmm. literally like went on this planet to this brand new species and like definitely had them question their existence and like everything they've ever known just to be like, hey, uh, let us go. Um, <laughs> I thought that was just kind of funny. Um, and also like when Luke and Leia have that talk about like, how they're siblings. Um, I think it's like a really emotional moment, like where they talk about the mother. Again, it, a lot of it doesn't make sense, like how um, like how Leia remembers Padme, even though like they were like newborn babies. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people like rag on that. And I was just like, they're both four sensitive children. You don't think they could have just like had pictures from when they were little or something like that. Like they can like move rocks with their mind, but they can't just remember from birth. Okay. Um, probably the biggest thing that like um was definitely I feel like I would have changed through that conversation was when Leia was like I always knew you were my brother because then it's like the two movies before it's like are you like are you really sure because that's kind of if you really knew that that's just not okay uh some of the stuff y'all did anyway um and then like Han walks in I have like no idea what's going on but yeah, those were probably some of the moments that stuck out to me. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I love it. And um, I mean, just kind of adding to something you said earlier um, is that one of the things that I do love about how Disney has been handling Star Wars is they've been giving us so much more information that is part of the actual canon. I mean, there's. I, I love Legends. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've read 130 novels from Legends. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in it. <laughs> but I, I will say, though, that um, there, there were things that, that were a bit messy. And what Disney has been doing has been cleaning things up. There's a five-part Leia um, comic, and it's incredible. Like, she goes to Naboo, and she feels things. She walks into the doorway where Maul appeared and feels cold and, and gets an image of the doors opening and Maul standing there. Uh, when she talks about having these images, because that's what she said, it's just images, really. You know, images, impressions. Um, she's very beautiful, but very sad. Uh, it would make sense that she could leave that that kind of imprint that she could read in the forest and, and i just i just love it i love this like small attention to detail um also i don't know why people are so cynical on the ewoks um i i chalk it up to a difficulty in showing it but if like if there was a bear that's that size that is stronger than a human for sure <laughs> right like and if that bear is smart enough to create weapons and traps, you are screwed oh, yeah. in their own forest. Like, I, I don't believe at all that, like, oh, you should be able to defeat these little teddy bears. No. I'll get more. They into were that. going to eat them. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. the way they caught them and the way that they had them on the spigs indicates that 
these are not the first humans they've eaten. No. <laughs> uh, the celebration at the end, I mean, think about it. They have no idea about the universe at large. They're just glad that they're off of their planet. <laughs> well, I think that they're celebrating because they now have an almost endless supply of food. <laughs> Honestly, that's what, that's what I think. <laughs> There's like so much meat. Like they don't care about what's happening on Coruscant. You know, all those helmets. They'd obviously collected some. I'm just saying. Um, (laughs) But uh, but Victoria, uh, Act 2. Yeah. um, So I do have a lot of notes for Act 2. I'm sorry. But nothing compared to what I have for Act 3. So I'll be quick. (laughs) But So um, as Jacob mentioned, when Palpatine enters the second Death Star, Invader kneels. And that is kind of thought led for us in the novel Lost Stars. It's like, whoa, you know, like nobody else had to kneel except Darth Vader. And so it's just a really interesting power dynamic that us as an audience is like something's complex here that we don't quite understand. Um, When... I know we already talked about Yoda, um, but the only reason Yoda is in this movie is because of a child psychologist. Mm-hmm. The, and so he, um, they're like, they got, I'm sorry, they got um, consultation that people needed a little bit more clarity because they, some imagined that Darth Vader was lying about being Luke's father. And so they needed a very clear, hello, this is your father for children um, and for people to be like, hey, like this is it. So it's a really interesting um, thing there. Um, and then when Yoda says there's another Skywalker and then um, Obi-Wan moments later says, you were our only hope to Luke. Um, I think that that's a really interesting thing. Like Yoda is still the master. Um, and I, th- I think that's like a really interesting um, hierarchy there. Um, when Obi-Wan says he's more machine than man, and you see a lot of his um, cynicism in his older age. And um, that's not necessarily characteristic of the Obi-Wan we would have known necessarily. Yes, I mean, maybe it is. Um, But I don't know, I thought that was an interesting moment. Um, Oh, and in this act, Mon Mothma is gets the great title of being the second named female character that's not in the background. So that's really exciting for the Star Wars trilogy. Took three two moves movies, in. Three movies to get there. But I thought that was really cool. Go Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that this movie does is Leia is included into the legacy of the Force. And I know I mentioned this last time, but um, you know we see a touch of Leia's connection to the Force when she feels Luke. And she's like, I know where he is at the end of Bespin. But Leia is is very explicitly included in the legacy of the Force here, um, and and then that's something really really beautiful. Um, but then also we see Leia as, as the caretaker um, of Luke, even in her t- her own times of crisis. In that um, conversation on the bridge, which a bridge is you know symbolic of change, of communication, of connection. Anyways, um, we see Leia like exactly after Alderaan, her planet blew up, her entire life was in shambles and she's taking care of Luke um and and in this moment she does the same I mean he mentions hey like the, the Darth Vader's my father you're my sister etc and like what does that mean for her she doesn't process any of it she's like Luke run away and so you see so much of Leia's inner strength here um then I'm trying to this is okay when Luke was going to Endor 
Um, and he's like, I shouldn't have come. Vader knows. And he lets them go. We, we already touched on that. Um, but uh, Palpatine mentions that compassion will be his undoing. Um, his compassion for you will be his undoing. And so uh, it's a really interesting like anticipation and a, a build um, on that. Um, and Vader disobeys, like what Emily was saying. Vader disobeys Palpatine's orders here. And, you know, with the new Vader 2020 comics, we won't get too far into that. But um, we see a lot of that relationship with Palpatine begin to be chipped away a lot of his trust and a, he has disobeyed Palpatine before and it has had dire consequences. Um, and so he does this still, he still makes the move and disobeys Palpatine. He does not remain on the command ship. Um, and he's and I, something really beautiful and interesting. Um, he's always said, Skywalker is there, Skywalker is there. And he mentions to Palpatine, my son is with them. And I just like, oh, every single time I die. Um, and so, <laughs> immediately following Palpatine is like, are your feelings clear on this? And Darth Vader's like, yes, perfectly. And you're just like, (gasps) (laughs) yeah, the anxiety, you're just like, which is also a link to Kylo Ren because his feelings were clear. They just weren't aligned with. Right. Yes. Yes. So they're so beautiful. Um, But yeah, those are kind of my standout moments for this act. Um, We see a lot of, um, Vader's character development uh, and obviously you know that's the lens I'm viewing this from uh, because that is my favorite character but um, pairing that I know we'll discuss this later but pairing that with all of the comics material that we've been able to get is absolutely like heart-wrenching because you see how painful it is to depart from this the dark side it's not like oh hey I'm gonna make a better decision today it has to be painstakingly tooth and nail clawing out of the dark side because like we mentioned before like moments quote if the dark side does not serve you you serve the dark side and if you do not feed the dark side it will feed on you so it's almost and like obi-wan says in empire strikes back you know like you're a victim almost to the dark side because it overtakes you it consumes entirely and so it's a really um you see the painstaking amount of choices like you don't just see vader's redemption in act three when he throws palpatine down a reactor shaft it is a painstaking long journey of feelings of choices of everything and so i think this is a really like hefty section oh yeah yeah um, if you don't mind, I kind of wanted to add on two things I forgot. Go um, for it. Go for it. Yeah. So the whole like when Luke and Vader sense each other as like they're passing. Um, I remember like rewatching it after like watching the sequels. Like um, a lot of like not a lot of people, but there are definitely people who thought like the whole Force Dyad FaceTime with Rey and like Kylo kind of didn't make sense. But like after watching the sequels and then watching Return of the Jedi again, like I kind of like low key thought they were about to like stare each other down before I realized it was an original trilogy movie and not a sequel movie. And like I was like, actually, that kind of makes sense because they're basically staring at each other. But like, you know, Rey and Kylo are like really strong and are a dyad in the Force, Luke and Vader are not. So like it kind of made sense seeing that and then seeing the sequel trilogy again it's like oh okay yeah i feel like that could definitely be arranged like someone has is strong enough with the force and especially if they have a special connection with each other in the force um and also i'm not sure if anyone here has watched um lego star wars droid tales uh but there is a scene where in return of the jedi when they're basically c3po is like going over the story um and has luke and yoda like talking to each other and um 
Yoda's like, there is another Skywalker, your sister. And then Luke goes, wait, Leia, Leia's my sister. And then he goes, yes, wise with the force you are. He goes, no, she's just the only girl I've ever met. Supposed to be the case. Like, I'm pretty sure George's original plan was to have his sister be someone else mm-hmm. and there to be a sequel trilogy about Luke going off to find his sister. And then he decided he didn't want to do that. And so he just wrapped it up in a nice little bow and was Chocolate. like, Hey, there's a girl. <laughs> Let's use her. <laughs> you, uh, you can correct me on this if you want to. I'm pretty sure the original plan was to kill off Han and Empire Strikes Back, have um, Luke and Leia be together and then have like another female character in the sequels. I think, am I correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, and yes, and no. So there's there's like so many different drafts of this that were written. So that's mm-hmm. absolutely one of them. But yes, um, Luke's sister at the time of the Empire Strikes Back was a different character altogether that had not been introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford was only signed on for the first two movies. They did not know if he was going to return for the third movie at all. And Harrison Ford was like, I thought my character's story was wrapped up already. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, there's, there's a lot of like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts there. Um, but yeah, I mean, George has this, this overall plan of we start here, we end here, whatever happens in the middle is, is malleable. Um, and that's also visible, visible in, in the prequels as well, especially I, I'm certain Jar Jar, Darth Jar Jar was, was a thing, but let's, let's not even like the amount of times that he says Jar Jar is the key to all of this. He says that over and over again. He does. In, the of, and you're like, in um, all the behind the scenes. But that's a whole, that's a whole separate topic. Um, yeah. So um, I love how like when who was it? Daisy Ridley was like in an interview was talking about different drafts of like the end of Ray's character and like how there was a Palpatine, there was a Kenobi, there was like an actual like blood born like blood related Skywalker thing, and then everyone was like, "Oh, see, I knew they didn't have a plan from the start." I was like, "No, they had a general idea, but if you actually think that as someone who's in digital media at UCF, you don't know how film industry works. There's no solid set plan." until that movie releases like even at, in post-production there's no set idea until you release the final product like you got all these different like possibilities and like you're like okay which one's the best we're gonna test this here we're gonna test this here that's why there are a bunch of deleted scenes and a bunch of different movies that are like fleshed out with different like visual effects that like cost a lot of money because they're like we could take it this way or we could take it this way and that happens like in film all the time and the fact that like people were just like, oh, see, they didn't have a plan from the start. It's like, no, they did. They had multiple plans. They wanted to see which one was the best. Mm-hmm. Which is, is funny because that specific interview you're referring to, that's actually what she says. She says, in the beginning, we toyed with a bunch of ideas and then we settled on she was no one. Exactly. And I'm then before it. episode nine, these, these changes and none of that actually affects her journey. Yeah. No, at all so it's 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 kind of funny but like and like for yeah. me i always would have i always wanted like um luke to actually like be the father of ray like not adoptive father like actual like conceived a child with someone else but that's like a whole different story but like even like after that i was like like i wasn't like mad at the point where like 
Daisy Ridley was like, yeah, we struck, like, we thought of these, like, certain ideas. It's like, yeah, that's just generally how it is, like, all the time. Like, I'm trying to think, like, I'm sure there are certain episodes of, like, Mando or Clone Wars where, like, they probably took different directions. Clone Wars, actually. Ahsoka was supposed to die originally in Clone yeah. Wars. Until Dave Filoni like, was like, no, George, we're not doing that. <laughs> those I mean, actually, those are my favorite stories. Because George <laughs> would be like, all right, I mean, uh, Ahsoka's not in the movie, so yeah. uh, are we going to kill her this week? <laughs> and Dave Filoni's like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's oh. like... <laughs> all of the like almost things are so interesting to me because Star Wars was a collaborative process and so it ne- needed a lot of time to get fleshed out from the very beginning I mean Darth Vader didn't even have a helmet to begin with he there was right. a scene in the third draft where he drank from a flask and so it's like <laughs> like uh, like a spy movie interrogating Leia so it's like uh, you know, things get fleshed out. Han was supposed yeah. to, there was one where Han was going to die at the beginning of Return of the Jedi just to be like, oh, audience, no one's safe. You know, right. we killed off a main character. And then um, there was one that somebody, I can't remember who it was on the creative team that was fighting for this, but at the very end, I, I know we've all heard this one, but um, Luke picks up Vader's helmet and says, now I am Vader. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. we've all heard, you know, it's supposed to undergo metamorphosis. That's what makes yeah. it living yeah. media and so so uh, exciting. Not, not only that, but uh, Mark Hamill himself says, like, what I was trying to get them to do is for Luke in the third movie to show up and be super ripped and shirtless with a bunch of tattoos and earrings. <laughs> That's what Mark Hamill said. Oh, God. Um, not a farm boy anymore. No. no. He, he, he also said uh, for the sequels, he's like, yeah, uh, I want Luke to come back as a force ghost, but we've never seen a spooky force ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so uh, that's also why when people quote the actors, I'm like, yeah, they're not, <laughs> they're not that creative. Yeah, Darth Vader was going to die in A New Hope because yeah. they didn't think people would like him. And here we, here we are. Yeah, plus, like, um, they're just in film industry everywhere. Like, I remember, like, a Stranger Things, like, promotion for season three. Like, I think it was, like, with the three kids, like, Millie Bobby Brown, Noah Schnapp, and uh, Finn Wolfhard. They are like, playing this trivia game or whatever. And they are like, and they were talking, and they promoted season three at the end. Like, we can't wait to watch it. We haven't seen it yet. I'm excited to see how the story goes. And in my head, like, I saw that. I was like, it's interesting how, like, the actual actors of, like, the actual stars of the show don't even know fully like where the direction is headed until it's released because that's just how it is. Yeah, and that's also what uh, Mark Hamill said about the Last Jedi. I yep. fundamentally disagree with with your view. And then he said, after having seen it, yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Millie Bobby Brown for Young Leia. We we need. Yes. Uh, have you? Have, I mean, have you seen how she looks now? She's sixteen years old now. She mm-hmm. she could do young Leia, and she could also do young Ray. Yes. I, like, I'd be fine with either. Oh wow! Sorry, I, I have a picture of her right here, and she's right in between. Actually, I mean, I see some Natalie Portman in there too. This is super weird. She's right in between <laughs> all three. Everyone. Of them. This is. No, I saw like this TikTok where it was like. um what if we did uh, like Stranger Things as older cast and they literally cast for Finn Wolfhard, they did Adam Driver. And then for 
um, Millie Bobby Brown, they did Daisy Ridley. And I was like, those actually like, wait, like that, that actually hits. <laughs> and for Noah Schnapp, they did Tom Holland. I was like, wait. <laughs> okay, stop it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's hurting, it's hurting my brain. Um, wow, that's crazy. Uh, but I, I like it. Um, all right. And then just, I, and I, I apologize about this, uh, but just to make sure, because I believe I started this with Emily. I, I had got everyone's thoughts on the second act. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I added stuff after Victoria went. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, no problem. I, I, I love it. I, I love the conversational tone of it more than anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for me, you guys really covered pretty much everything but um they hinted at everything to come and that's that's what what i love is as long as you build you you build what's going to happen um in in the future i I love seeing lando you know back in the mix um how reluctant han was to let him have he's like take take the falcon please take the falcon uh but not a scratch right not a scratch (laughs) like you you promised me not a scratch yeah um just little things like that. Uh, I, I do, you know, love seeing um, Admiral Akbar in, in the chair there and mm-hmm. their whole. <laughs> uh, so it's a touch on in the book Lost Stars, but um, how Han's like, so they made you a general? <laughs> like, <laughs> and in the book Lost Stars, they're like, okay, so there's a bunch of random people that are just generals now. I guess that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> whatever. But <laughs> so I don't know. That just it just makes me chuckle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's so much. Yeah, there's just, just a lot of great stuff. Um, I mean, I have a, a wicked uh, like black and white drawing that's hanging on my wall here, and so I I, I do love the Ewoks uh, mm-hmm. so much, um, and. Uh, if most people haven't seen it, it's okay. You don't have to watch it. But Forces of Destiny, there's actually a couple episodes that take place on Endor. And the traps that are set up um, have been set up this whole time because there are predators and other aliens and monsters and things on the planet that they have to defend themselves against. I thought that was a cool little addition myself. But mm-hmm. all right, moving on to the big guns. The third act, um, this is, uh, and, and we'll start with, you know, you know Luke says, um, you know, I, I have to leave. I'm endangering the mission. He goes and he meets Vader. Uh, the, I think a family guy, when the su- shuttle lands, it's like permission to land as a dainty butterfly. Um, I, I, <laughs> I just love that part. But yeah, so we'll start with that conversation with Luke, uh, I see you have constructed a new lightsaber, uh, and this one will go to Jacob first. See, it's funny you mentioned the constructed new lightsaber. That's actually something I was gonna mention because, like, I feel like it's such a small detail now, but like when that first came out in theaters, like no one knew that like you construct like what constructing a lightsaber looked like, if that made sense. And that's when like. Um, I think we first saw like an actual construction of lightsabers, like in the Clone Wars miniseries, like the little Samurai Jack animated cartoon where like we see Barris constructing her lightsaber with Luminara back before, back before I hated Luminara. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. R- real quick to interrupt you, but I also want you and everyone else to comment on the green lightsaber. We didn't mention uh, that in the first act, but I can do that real quick. I actually recently made a video on this on TikTok about like how um, George Lucas, like the whole like idea of the green lightsaber, wasn't even like a thing until post production because like basically like the blue lightsaber was supposed to be in return of the jedi and then they had movie posters where luke's lightsaber was blue um but then like when they were looking at the scenes obviously technology back in 1983 weren't they weren't able to make the lightsaber color as vibrant like as they are now um the blue background and the blue screen with um uh what they were doing on the tatooine fight like they just really couldn't make a blue lightsaber look like that without like just basically only seeing white so they made it green instead and then like i remember i i think i someone commented and said like mark hamill like actually flipped out when he saw it in theaters for the first time because he had no idea it was green he was just like what it's green (laughs) and then like that would lead to like the prequels where it's like all right now qui-gon has a green lightsaber yoda has a green lightsaber Mm -hmm. all these other people have green lightsabers and then and then samuel jackson was like can i have a purple lightsaber and then that would lead to like Clone Wars where you get yellow lightsabers, orange mm-hmm. lightsabers and legends and um, what is it? Uh, Jedi Fallen Order and then white lightsabers in Clone Wars and Rebels and Legends as well. And I just think it's cool that like it was originally just supposed to be blue and red. And now it's just like, we're going to have all the colors. Like we're going to cover <laughs> the whole rainbow and we're going to have them all mean their own different thing and <laughs> give it its own background but in reality we just put it in there because it was convenient for the movie cast or for the or for the animators yeah i mean my, my favorite example was how ahsoka had two green lightsabers but they were not the same green yeah um, oh my gosh like I, I have so many people say one's yellow one's green i was like i think one's like a light green and then one's darker green and then my little brother it looks had, yellow by comparison oh for sure but it's, but but it's not yellow was like isn't one of the lightsabers yellow and then like we like stared at it together i was like kind of but not really because this is ray's lightsaber and that's definitely green compared to that and then you look at the jedi temple guard it's green compared to that and then like ah all right yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then uh, uh, Act Three as as a whole, for like take us take us through the end. Oh yeah. Um, but so what where was I going with this? Um, the whole Luke Vader and Emperor together was like I feel like that's one of if not the most like iconic scenes in Star Wars. It was my favorite Lego Star Wars boss battle where you're teaming up with Vader, um, and it's just like. Vader is just there to like capture Luke and bring him to him and like you see basically like both of them tempting Luke into like going into the dark side and then once Luke is like winning um the the, uh Palpatine known as the Emperor back then was just like yeah um now I'm gonna replace Vader with you because you're gonna be my new apprentice and like you just see him there like not even able to get a reaction because he was just dying um and like you know, I know like a lot of sequel stands like um, points out a lot, but like Luke very much almost turned to the dark side like in that fight because like he was very aggressive and um, he saw like Vader's like when he cut Vader's hand off and saw it was like electronic, like he remembered what Obi-Wan said about how he's more machine than man and then like just saw his robot hand and like where it could lead him to. And I think that's crazy because like, um, you know, if it wasn't for Anakin or Vader's mistakes, like, Luke might have turned to the dark side. Who knows? Because, like, if he didn't see that, I don't know if that would have triggered him, like, to get his senses back together or whatever. 
So it was just kind of weird how like some like his father's mistakes like helped him make the right decisions in the moment. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I mean, I, I fully agree. so personally because I, I love um, mm-hmm. that the Last Jedi, and I'm feel like I'm well. Actually, I was the only person for a long time, but then as I talk to people, I'm like, oh no, actually, a there's a lot of love growing for this film, and b. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there was an overwhelming backlash, but mm, most people I talk to don't feel that same thing. Uh, but the way that kind of unfolds, where it's the same lesson, it's the same exact thing that he learned in the cave. Um, mm-hmm. Yoda tells him, "Don't take your weapons. You're not going to need them." Mm-hmm. And Luke's like, "Screw you!" and takes his gun and his lightsaber. <laughs> he go, goes into the cave, finds a visage of, of Vader, pulls out his lightsaber. They fight. Luke wins, sees mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. And later they say, "Remember your failure at the cave. Failure. He beat him. Right? Is mm-hmm. that a failure?" Uh, yeah, it it was a failure. He goes to face Vader, a failure. Third act, they fight, and you know, Vader is telling him, You'll have to reach into the dark side in order to beat me, and he does, and he does beat him. Failure, (laughs) and then that continues in the sequel trip. Like, it's the same lesson being learned, he does better each and every single time until his last time where he approaches he approaches Kylo Ren without violence at all he's not even there um and he's like i've i failed you but he's finally passed that same lesson yeah so to wrap up my thoughts on act three obviously that sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no 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 no. i honestly took a break because i was like um no i was like i honestly like thought I was done for a second and then I totally forgot about the whole like actual ending part so it's good you actually like <laughs> went on a tangent for a bit so I was like I should probably mention this because like it's my favorite part of the whole movie um but basically like you know after they get after like Palpatine's um get it or the Emperor's like lightning like killing Luke basically and then Vader like lightning redeems bolt. himself say that again He's like, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. <laughs> the, the Lego Star Wars, the complete saga trailer, where he literally throws the Lego bolt at him. Like, um, I'm also so excited for that game, but that won't be for a little bit. Um, but, like, when that um, when that took place, like, when I first saw that as a kid, like, that's, like, what encaptured me to the movie, like, just seeing, like, and I also saw it, like, in the version where he was just like, no! And, like, a lot of people thought that was stupid. But, like, looking back on it, I feel like it just added more emotion for me personally. Because, like, I've seen edits where it's just, like, and, like, I, like, I've thought about doing one where, like, when he's, like, looking at Emperor Palpatine and, like, his son, he's, like, thinking back to Obi-Wan, to Ahsoka, to Padme, to, like, all this. And, like, after you have all that together and, like, you see him staring it down, like, you'd think he wouldn't just casually, like, throw him overboard. Like, you'd expect him to, like, cry out because, like, he's finally back and he's finally free. So I feel like that was pretty beautiful. Um, And then the end where, like, they're partying. Luke's, like, having a memorial for his father. And then um, when he gets to the party, he sees Obi-Wan, he sees Yoda. He, depending on which version he's, you see, you see a different version of Anakin. But um, I grew up with the one where it's Hayden Christensen. And then as a child, I was like, mom, how is he here if this was taking place in 1983? 
And then this took place in like 2002 and he's the same person. And then that's when I was introduced to video editing. Uh, um, uh, and, and that changed your life. <laughs> and that changed my life because now I'm like doing up like similar stuff here. Not really like video stuff, more game design stuff. Um, but also like, I just thought that was a beautiful ending and something else I forgot before I wrap it up. Um, I feel like you mentioned this earlier about like how, how were the Ewoks able to capture Luke, Han and all of them if they were just teddy bears. Um, and I've seen other people say, wow, they made the empire a joke in this movie where like a bunch of teddy bears took them over. But it's like <laughs> a couple things. First off, Emily, I know you see me like point this out in like my rebel defense videos. Um, where it's like people are like oh rebels made the empire look like a joke i was like no and a new hope like even though the stormtroopers weren't like like called to kill any of them like they still didn't look like they were very like trained guards like they just no. like, they were there to get a paycheck fill a job they were in the middle of a dictatorship they didn't want to be there then yeah. empire strikes back like lando was able to like just take a whole army captive and it was just like it took like two <laughs> seconds to just be like yeah you're ours now yeah. And I feel like the whole, like, even, like, leading up to Return of the Jedi, the whole scary part of the Empire was Darth Vader. It yeah. was, like, Grand Admiral, um, Moff is his name? The one who blew up, um, Alderaan. I forget uh, yeah, Tarkin. Tarkin, that's right. I was thinking of Thrawn and then Moff Gideon. I was like, there were just so many different scary villains. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, that's when, like, we're Emperor Palpatine. That's when it's scary. But when you see, like, a stormtrooper or a scout trooper, like, I think of them as, like, droids, like, basically, where it's, like, yeah, they're here to do their job. They're not good at it. They're disposable. Um, they, they are government employees. Have you oh, ever been uh, to the DMV? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what they are. Everyone in the like, Empire is a DMV employee. Like, I can't imagine, like, some of the clone troopers that were turned into stormtroopers just, like, dealing with some of, the, like, the, um, the yeah. actual, like, human stormtroopers. They're like, all right, we're about to go into battle. And then, like, the clones are all hyped, even though they're old. And then someone else is just like, do I have to go? <laughs> um, but, and, like, and like you said, like, the Ewoks are, like, actual teddy bears that are, like, not teddy bears, but, like, actual bears that are probably stronger than humans and, like, they, and it's their home planet. It's their home turf. Like they're gonna know what to do better than like an entire empire who's probably who probably never set foot on that planet because like the galaxy's big. Like the galaxy's huge. There are a bunch of different planets. Like it's crazy to me. Like in Mando, like there are people who haven't heard of the Force. That's how big the galaxy is. Mm -hmm. um, and there are people who haven't heard of the Force. Are probably people who haven't been on the planet of Endor and probably don't know what to expect from the Ewoks. And like also they had the help of like. Han and Leia and R2 and C-3PO. So that's just something like people bring up to me when I say Return of the Jedi is my favorite. They're like, oh, well, what about the Ewoks? And like how they made the Empire look like a joke. I was like, they were not what made the Empire a joke. There's a lot more than that. Um, but yeah, those are pretty much my thoughts on Act 3. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I, I love it because, I mean, I don't know, you just, how, how much can you hit the nail on the head? Uh <laughs> it's just yeah I, I can't even add anything uh, at all because you were just speaking from my mind uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, uh, Victoria we have uh, Act 3 oh man my stomach's oh, in my throat <laughs> <laughs> so okay I can't believe I've gone this whole podcast without talking about Firmus Piet I love him so I want to talk about Piet real quick and then I'll get into my other stuff. <laughs> but 
Um, I think Piet's end is the most poetic thing for his character. And I know he's a minor character, but he is very significant in so many ways. But his end is, he says, intensify forward firepower. And then they ram into the command bridge. And Piet has like been a hard worker. He's been a pleaser. He's been the one that's like, if I do this, then I can get promoted. Then I can do this and et cetera, et cetera. Like doing the right thing. I mean, just the fact that he says intensify forward firepower that like signifies like, I have to like keep doing this thing. And I, I don't know, there's just something like poetic about that to me. Love Piet. Um, and then on a much lighter note, I want to talk, I want to go out of order so that I don't cry during this. <laughs> but um, when Vader's helmet is taken off and you see Sebastian Shaw, um, originally they were wanting Lawrence Olivier. Let's talk about that for a second. So they wanted the Lawrence Olivier, Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> and so uh, I thought that was really interesting. But then... Um, Sebastian Shaw obviously did a lovely, beautiful job, um, even with the 1983. He did, but now I'm disappointed. <laughs> I know. We were this close, but they said that they wanted a face that wasn't as recognizable. So same for his voice. Like they wanted Orson Welles initially. Mm -hmm. And then we got the wonderful James Earl Jones. I cannot imagine a Darth Vader without him. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, that's uh, something light I wanted to touch on first. Now... <laughs> And if I, I I'm sorry, y'all. I love Darth Vader with my whole heart, so I will cry. Um, but the conversation on the bridge. So the big moment in Empire Strikes Back is the duel on Bespin. We see the "I am your father" scene happen after a long shot of them fighting from left to right, and then at the very end of the bridge, um, as we know, symbolizing connection, change. Um, communication, etc. Um, you get the I am your father and that changes both Darth Vader and Luke's identity. We get this big conversation again on a bridge. Most of Darth Vader's big character moments happen on a bridge. And so I thought that was like a really cool thing. Um, yeah, like Order 66, uh, <laughs> the crying on Mustafar. Like there's always a, in some sort of change. Um, but one thing that stands out to me um, and I know we could circle back to this w during the after all nine movies, but it, I need this for context. So the first time we, um, not the first time, but like we're introduced to Anakin um, on Tatooine and when he's a slave and Padme looks at him and says, are you a slave? And he says, no, I'm a person and my name is Anakin. And so you see him cling to his identity, his personage, to who he is, to the dreams that he has to being more than what he is or what his label has become. When Luke says, um, I know the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker and he interrupts him and says that name no longer has any meaning for me. And I lose it every time because it's like that he, that's a cry for help. He says, I, I don't have any hope. I am only what I am right now. I cannot become anymore and I can't He had change. more personages as a slave yeah then as darth vader and so it's it's like he lost his identity entirely and it just like it hits uh i'm getting chills i, I promise i won't make your podcast a joke by crying all the time don't but. worry i have <laughs> sorry i have one of my other favorite but 
first of all, Victoria, you're one of my favorite people I ever have on here. One of my other oh. favorites is Miss Aggie. She's in the chat, and she says she always cries at that part too. Oh. So yes, oh, I love you're in, you're in very good company. Uh, uh-huh. Keep going. And I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing to you know care about characters, but I'll try to keep it together. But um, also, just a, a quick note on the the truth. Um, you you get this idea of the truth in this conversation a lot. Um, Darth Vader, when Luke calls him father, he he says, "So you've accepted the truth." And uh, Luke says, "I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker." And so it, it's uh, it reminds me of the poem by Emily Dickinson, tell the truth, but tell it slant. So it's like the idea of truth and the truth and a truth um, and the way that those truths inter, inter, intertwine and like what Obi-Wan says, like the truths you cling <laughs> to, like depend on your point of view, etc. So it's just like all of that, just like, like this conversation on the bridge is like my favorite scene in Star Wars, probably. Why are you um, trying to make me cry? I'm we're all going to cry together. Thing, <laughs> By the end of this, we're all going to cry together. I, <laughs> but what did you say? A little more sad. Um, as soon as like Luke gets on the bridge um, with Vader, he doesn't refer to him as Darth Vader. He refers to him as father only. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, just that that idea of like changing his identity for him and calling him by a name that he. I mean, his his name Darth Vader is Darth Father in like derivative, but calling him father rather than Vader is a very like significant, like you're saying, um, thing. And uh, like at the end of Empire Strikes Back, when Luke awakens in their first time connecting through the force and he says father and Darth Vader pauses before he says son. And so you see these identity changes a lot in Star Wars and like the true self um, and that idea. Um, Then uh, when Luke says, come with me, and uh, his back is to Luke and he pauses and he said, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. And he's like, somebody had faith in me once and I failed them. Mm-hmm. And so he loves Luke so much that he doesn't want to fail him. And so there's this idea of like, I loved someone and they loved me. They had faith in me. I failed them and I'm not going to do that to you, but he obviously doesn't. So um, also element and I, always mention this when we're on the podcast together but the poetry of the power of the dark side Mm -hmm. on the bridge you hear um you don't know the power of the dark side i must obey my master and this ties into this whole conversation on identity he has been stripped of it he has no choice um oh my gosh your lightsaber (laughs) starting to die no that was poetic it was it's like boom (laughs) it's showing us that we we have descended now we have descended. the light is flickering (laughs) and um so we the first time we hear it it's um if you only knew the power of the dark side it's like a flex you know he's like telling luke yeah like yeah this is got to be you know if you only knew then you you would understand you would join me and together we could rule the galaxy as father and son then the second time we hear it is here on the bridge and you don't know the power of the dark side i must obey my master it's like this sad cry for help um and then we hear it finally in their duel um and he says if you will not fight you'll meet your destiny immediately following it's like um you underestimate the power of the dark side it's like man it's he's it's a warning it's like i'm worried for my child and kind of thing um then uh 
and, and just just to add to what you're saying mm-hmm. um when they're sitting in the chair and palpatine is like you know you want this and he he's he's just like tempting him yes given to the dark side this is what you need to do and luke does mm-hmm. luke gives into the dark side he's going to strike down palpatine with all of his force yes and vader blocks it Stop. vader vader blocks it the question is who was he saving was vader that, saving palpatine was Anakin that was saving luke yeah, that was answered in the Rise of Skywalker novelization as not like a, hey, this is exactly why. But Palpatine tells Rey that he, uh, Luke had his father to save him. You have no one. And it's in an extended dialogue. Um, and so Darth Vader was saving Luke by Palpatine's understanding because he was like, you know, he, he was, Luke was going to strike him down in anger. And you know, that, that really does help connect with the, you know, Rise of Skywalker um, film. Uh, so, and all of that lovely stuff uh, with the essence transferring and all that good stuff. Um, or we don't really know the implications really, but just the idea that he blocks his lightsaber and, and Palpatine views it enough as he is saving Luke to like say it to Ray. Like, I think that's really interesting. All those years later. Um, then the the duel itself. So I, I always say this is not a duel between Darth Vader and Luke, but a, Darth, uh, a duel between Darth Vader and himself and Luke and himself. And, and because it's a, it is a battle between the light and the dark in both of them. It is not a battle between the two of them. And so we see a complete reversal of the duel on Bespin and like what you mentioned earlier about cutting off his hand so we see like I said in the duel on Bespin moving from left to right Vader cuts Luke's hand off says I am your father in this duel we see moving from right to left on the bridge um, and Luke cuts Vader's hand off and then he looks at his own hand and I just I want to know exactly what was going through Luke's mind at that time I want to know what was going through Vader's mind at that time because he was watching his son make his mistakes. He was watching his son fall. And what would that feel like? Because even like his own turn, you know, is very complex, but watching his son fall, I I, I just, I wonder. And so Luke, you know, not wanting to make those mistakes or realizing like when he looked at his hand and saw the wires instead of veins and bone and, I just seeing the more machine than man thing. It's like, did he lose faith faith in him in that moment? Did he say like, I I can't win this. He is more machine than man. I see wires. I don't see flesh and blood. And when he cuts his hand off, and so I, I think that that's like very heavy. Um, a very heavy. I moment. think that that's ableist. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, this is a bad. This is a bad <laughs> But I mean, Luke, who knows what was going through his mind? You know, like, what was he, what was he thinking? You know, like, did he see him as his father in that moment? And I, I don't know. I think that's a really wonderful thing. And then uh, when Vader is watching Luke um, get tortured, and I don't want to get into the 2020 comics, but the pause that he takes, <sighs> the pause that he takes watching Luke undergo that torture. I just, I'm sorry. 
blood. Like he watches his son undergo all that pain and he has felt it. And what, like he's fearful because he knows that pain. He knows what is happening. Um, and I don't know, there's just something like horrible about that. Like, yes, I love the edits that are like, like what you're mentioning. And like, he's like remembering all of these great times and like, that would be, you know, also a great thing. But also he could have been just terrified just being like, I know that pain and I don't want it. And so like, I don't know, I, I feel like, yes, I love to like, you know, blow him up in my mind as this grand hero that has these great intentions in that moment and like is never afraid. But maybe he was. Maybe he was afraid before he made his big choice. Um, and so, you know, maybe that humanizes him even more he, that he was afraid before uh, he stepped in. Um, and then um, I wrote down the, oh, Emily, it was you that asked me this and got me thinking about this for the first time. You asked me, why does Darth Vader look like that in 1983? Because like, we didn't have Mustafar. We didn't, you know, like, why is he in the suit? What is going on? So I looked it up um, and I like learned this all those months ago when we first became friends. <laughs> but um, it's like they, like Mustafar, the idea has always been there. Like just the idea that he was like, thrown into this volcano or a nuclear pit or a molten pit like it was always some sort of vat of things and um so it was something like all that and then there's something in the 1983 novelization I wanted to read and it said like we fought your father fell into a molten pit when your father clawed his way out of that fiery pool the change had burned into him forever he was Darth Vader without a trace of Anakin Skywalker irredeemably dark scarred kept alive only by machinery and his own black will and so it's I just like that okay you said that and that just like the that his own black will just made me think about like Darth Maul surviving in the Clone Wars yeah, yeah. I survive like, because of my hello. singular hatred of you. I remember me and Alana Santa Maria back when I first got to know her. She was like, How does that like I've always hated like that Darth Maul came back? He was missing all these organs and stuff. It's like, Yeah, well, you know, he, he just hatred of the dark side. And it's like, She's like, But it doesn't make sense. I was like, Are we really about to have a conversation about what makes sense in Star Wars and what doesn't? Mm -hmm. make sense? Like, are you, are you sure? And like, like I mean spoiler for the 2015 comics but like his kill switch Darth Vader's kill switch is hit and he survives solely on hate because his entire suit was shut down so it's like you know I mean sorry spoilers everybody no, I wasn't like planning to like <laughs> but like I was like probably gonna look them up at some point anyway I mean so. you should like you should it doesn't really spoil anything narrative wise um because there's obviously more that goes with that not for sure. I've heard good things about, like, I usually honestly look up YouTube videos about comics and I do actually buy comics and read them. Just no, the yeah, comics but, are but if crazy. You have, if you have questions about Darth Vader's will, he asks... So Tarkin is a master hunter and the, the Tarkin book is incredible. But it's The Tarkin book is my favorite Star Wars book and I've read a lot of them. Um, yeah. And in the comics, Vader asks Tarkin to hunt him. And Tarkin technically wins, yep. but Vader on will alone. Yep. He's dying on the ground. And he's <laughs> like, well, if I'm going, you're, you're coming. <laughs> and it's choking him to death. And like the 
whole way it, it pans out, you're like, okay, I see why Anakin is the way he is. Like how <laughs> I can see the problem with relying on emotion in Jedi <laughs> from this yeah. comic, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. And then also it's just a small moment when when Luke like backflips up onto the thing and Vader's mm-hmm. like Obi-Wan has taught you well. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. The high it ground. looks like you have the high ground. Yeah. Screw that. <laughs> and he throws a lightsaber at him. It's no, just I beautiful. It. I love that little uh, intermission so I didn't have to cry on this. It's fine. You, you are getting no, dangerously okay. close to making me cry, but um that's okay i i I wanted to relieve you for a little bit yeah but it's the 2017 number 18 that tarkin hunts vader it's my favorite comic from the 2017 run i (laughs) love it it's so good um and then the um i wanted to say this and i know it'll it'll come up again but i just wanted to touch on it first the um in revenge of the sith when he looks at padme and says Love can't save you, Padme, but it saves him. <laughs> I just lose it. I just like every single time because it didn't save her, but it did save him. And I just, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, and it's, I guess that's all from Act 3. I just, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I love it. And like, like you said, it, it is... And it's so beautifully told, especially. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk to you, uh, Victoria, after from a certain point of view, because like Obi Wan talks about how he like says something to Luke, but Luke looks back with Anakin's eyes, and he has the, the <gasps> fierceness of Anakin's in his oh, eyes, and he's like, I, I, I can't, I can't wait till till we can talk about that. But um, Saturday, yeah. I. Uh, I I love how this film ends because it, it ties in. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much depth that was added from the first movie to this movie. So much depth that we have story celebrations. Like what what other franchise do we have these for? Like it's not really a, a thing, you know. And then especially, and I know we didn't touch on this before, but in the Last Jedi before Luke passes away, he looks at Kylo Ren and says, you know, when I'm gone, I will not be the last Jedi. And in this movie, when Yoda passes away, he says, um, when gone, I am the last Jedi you will be. And it's mm-hmm. just like, like just, just the connection between all of these is just, I don't know. I actually never realized that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's quite beautiful. Um, Oh, this is what I wanted to say. I forgot. I forgot. But this is from the 1983 novelization of Return of the Jedi. Um, and this is where I was like, all right, here comes the tears. Um, so when Vader is dying, um, he doesn't want to think of the pain. And so he's like, these were memories he wanted none of. Not right now. Memories of molten lava crawling up his back. No, this boy had pulled him from all of that. Here, now, with this act, this boy was good. I like, I just like... <laughs> <gasps> oh, okay. I, that's it. That's and, and, so, it. and that's and that's why that's why I argue 
Disney didn't ru- ruin Star Wars. Disney found all of this stuff and yes. brought it together. We've never seen all of this stuff. Yes. Um, and I, I don't know. It just, it just comes together in a very special way. Mm-hmm. Um, em- Emily, your, your thoughts? Okay. I have one Vader moment, and then it's going to be the Luke show. <laughs> um. The the Vader moment that I really love that I'm su- I'm surprised Victoria didn't mention is the point right when Luke gets on the elevator, like after they've had their conversation. And it's such a small moment. There's no dialogue. There's hardly anything happening, but it always makes me cry. And it's when Vader turns around and you see him like go over to the railing and you hear his breathing intensify it's like he's hyperventilating it's like he is breathing so hard because he's like oh my god what did i just do at least that's how i always interpret it like that's that moment is really what seals the deal of his conflict when you're like okay this is troubling him like he's he's just sent his child when he thinks this is only child off to certain doom and another moment from that conversation that i think ties into why he stops Luke from killing Palpatine is when he says it is too late for me son and I think the implication there is it's not too late for you like there's still hope for you and I just I always love that line because it breaks my heart when he says it's too late for me like he's acknowledging the fact that Luke is trying to save him he's acknowledging the fact that maybe there is good in him but he's just resigned to the fact that it's too late and it always makes me so sad. <laughs> and then um, some Luke moments. Um, I really like the, when he's talking to Palpatine. And let me see. I have written down what he says. Um, he says, your overconfidence is your weakness. And Palpatine says, your faith in your friends is yours. And that line always stands out to me so much in terms of Luke's character because you can tell that Palpatine is trying to do the same thing to Luke that he did to Vader, which is to sow distrust in the people that he loves. That's exactly how he turned to Anakin. He was able to make him the only person that Anakin could trust by sowing, you know, hatred or mistrust of his friends. Like he is trying to do the same thing to Luke that he does to Anakin, but it just shows how much stronger Luke is in his ability to resist the dark side is because Luke doesn't falter on that. Like he, his loyalty to his friends is not only one of my favorite things about him, but it's what saves him and what makes him less susceptible to the dark side because he doesn't believe Palpatine. He knows that he can trust his friends and that he's doing everything he can to save his friends. Um, And then the moment where he decides not to fight Vader and he uh, like disignites his lightsaber and tosses it aside. And he says, you failed your highness. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And he like gestures back to Anakin. I just that scene to me exemplifies why Luke is so special and why he's so different because he, like we've said, like he doesn't, he doesn't fight. He is confident in his ability to save his father and save his friends. And he doesn't need his weapon. And it's just, I think it's such a powerful moment where he, you see him in all the dark clothes, you see him just try to kill his father 
and he still rejects the dark side. I just, it always gives me chills. Um, and then the ending, like I mentioned briefly, um, the victory celebration is my favorite. I just think the score, like I've watched the version of the ending and it just, it doesn't hold a candle to the emotion that that score packs. Like when you see Luke walk off and he sees the force ghosts and um, I've read somewhere that Leia apparently kind of sees them out of the corner of her eye. Like she doesn't quite realize it, but she can kind of recognize that they're there. Um, I just the emotion of that song i don't know what maybe it's just because it's tied to that scene or john williams is just a god um but it's it's just so beautiful it's such a beautiful ending um yeah i legitimately go back and forth whether john williams or george lucas had more influence on the success of star wars right it's like, like it's a toss-up <laughs> or ralph mccory absolutely yes ralph McCoy yeah I, I, yeah and so I remember being being little and watching this um, myself. And when I first saw it, it wasn't Hayden Christensen that appeared. Right. Um, and I was always like, "Who the hell is that?" <laughs> you don't recognize him. Like so, as I, a kid, I did not recognize Sebastian Shaw as Darth Vader. I was genuinely confused. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I had no idea who who he was, and and as we we learned from um f- from a certain point of view, um the A New Hope, from a certain point of view, uh, and we learned a little bit because there's a story of about Qui Gon who takes his form as he talks to Obi Wan for the last time, uh, which is such an incredible story. It's called Master and Apprentice. It was written by Claudia Gray. Um, it is not to be confused with the book Master and Apprentice also written by Claudia Gray. But it's about Qui-Gon a- appearing as a Force ghost to Obi-Wan and reconstructing himself from the Force. Being part of the Force. He knows the past and future. He sees it all as one. He knows that Obi-Wan is about to die. And he's talking to him, trying to give him comfort to continue with what he needs to do. It's such a beautiful story. But um, it just makes so much sense that if Anakin was reconstructing himself from memory, from the Force, he'd be Hayden Christensen. He wouldn't be someone that he never looked like. He wouldn't you know be a new person altogether and right. that's that's why i i personally love the hayden christian version because yeah he's putting himself together from memory obviously he's going to put it from the last time yeah a lot of I... people or not a lot of people but some people i heard this one thing where it's like it's the last time you were like on the bright on like the good side before you turned and then it's like well then that doesn't make sense because anakin was anakin when luke and anakin were talking like before he passed away but it makes more sense that like if you're constructing yourself from memory, like Anakin was only there for like five, ten minutes before he passed away. So he'd remember himself like as he was in episode three, because that's probably more of like what like significance Anakin's life was. Yeah. So that's also what I like. Um, that ending. And I also like I said my earliest memory as like a kid was Luke getting his hand chopped off. So like how I remember seeing all the movies was like kinda 
groggy, but I remember like remembering like I knew who Hayden Christensen was before I saw Return of the Jedi, and then I saw Return of the Jedi, and then I was like, how is he there? And so I think I watched it like all out of order, like not even just out of order, like <laughs> like I think I watched episode four, and then I watched episodes one, two, and three, and then I watched six, and then I watched five. I'm pretty sure that's how I did it as a kid because like I was too scared to watch five, but I watched four. And then since I was too scared to watch five, I just watched one, two, and three. And then I was like, I'm going to do six now. And then I went back and watched five or something like that. I think that's vaguely what it was. So it was like really weird. Like just <laughs> like thinking back at it is like, I watched it in probably the worst order possible. Uh, m- maybe, <laughs> but uh, at least you watch all of it. And that's, that's the most sure. important thing. Um, no, I, I, so I, I'm curious now. Uh, for everyone here, uh, after having seen everything, right, we have all nine episodes of the Star of the Skywalker Saga. Um, we have a bunch of canon books or canon comics. You you may read them, you may not. Doesn't matter. Um, we have Rebels. We have Clone Wars. We have Rogue One, Mandalorian. Uh, we have all these things. When we put them all together. I'm curious what you guys come out with and i'll start with uh emily on this i think star wars when it all comes together is about family not only because that's what it's always been about to me but i think the overarching um like good versus evil kind of thing um is more of a general description of the story. Whereas like the, like how Victoria describes it, like the personal side of the story that's relatable in your everyday life is the like aspects of family and legacy. And for me, like why I love Luke so much is like loyalty and um, just the ability to resist darkness or to continuously change yourself and to continuously be learning the same lessons over and over again um i think all of like star wars media that we have right now um that's you know skywalker saga related can kind of be tied back to family oh i I love that (laughs) i really do and uh uh, how how about you uh jacob um so Emily like definitely kind of spoke to me there um, <laughs> that it was like, about family because like I always knew that but I never put it in that perspective because like when you think about it like the original trilogy there's Han there's Luke there's Leia they're basically a family and then C-3PO and R2 and like Chewbacca too and then prequels there's Anakin there's Obi-Wan there's the Jedi Council there well whether Anakin's family with them or not, that's a different story. But then there's like Padme, there's also C-3PO and R2. In the sequels, there's Rey, there's Finn, there's Poe, there's Leia, um, there's Luke, because, you know, she was like a father figure to Rey. In Clone Wars, there's Ahsoka, there's Anakin, there's Obi-Wan, there's Padme. There's literally the entire like 501st and 212 and like their like fam- their brothers um, and Rebels. Now, this is what what's interesting, what's so cool about Rebels, I think, is that like, I mean, look at the OG trilogy, the sequel trilogy, prequel trilogy, Clone Wars, and even Mando. Like you, you there's this general like, um, like 
a trio of friends like like you know Han, Luke, and Leia, Anakin, Obi Wan, Padme, Anakin, Obi Wan, Ahsoka, um, Mando, and the two I can't I can't remember their names, but the other two from like literally the previous episode. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Car- like, Dune oh, and um, Brief Karka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like when you think about um, when you think about Rebels, it's like there's like uh, six family members. There's Chopper. There's Sabine. There's Ezra. There's Kanan. Um, there's Hera, there's like, there's then Kanan and Hera have a child, then Ahsoka's in there, and then Rex is in there as like a part timer. Um, and also, like, it's just, um, like, definitely a cohesive story and like of, of family for sure, and like of like communion or community. And like, um, what's also cool to me is like my religious background, background is like I'm a Christian, and there's definitely like always a comparison in like these um, stories with like a hero's journey to the to the Bible because that's just like the oldest known book. I'm not like getting religious in here when I say this, but like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no. But then like it's also cool to think about because like even in the Bible, whether you believe that or not, like it says like um, uh, you need to be in community with each other to like resist like satan's um will or like satan's like lustfulness or whatnot and i feel like we could see that in star wars too like you know obviously palpatine's like considered like the the, the devil, devil yeah. and he wants to separate anakin like he he's like anakin you can only trust me you need to be alone in this or like he wants to separate luke you can only trust me you're alone in this and then in ray it's like you have no one to back you up and then like there's always like when they come back like whenever it's good it's like they have community with you with each other and people holding each other accountable and like that's like a big thing like that's a big thing in like you know the story of the bible and that's a big thing in star wars too and i just think it's cool that like there's that connection of like you need to have some like you need to have a good firm foundation of people in your life or like you will fall into like the dark side like in star wars and life and like whatever kind of story i feel like like a lot of good stories like that lord of the rings emily i know you're a big fan of that um even Marvel, even if you want to think about it, Marvel not as much, but like you know, just all these other stories with like a hero's journey is like there's like this huge emphasis on like when you're when you're good, you're with a family of good people, and when you're evil, you're like isolated and self and alone and lost kind of thing. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, and you you really did hit the nail on the head there because um, it's about acceptance of all people around you uh, the only reason that the rebels won is because they is because leia talked to the ewoks like they were people yep mm-hmm. if you go before that it's because they talked to the droids as people um and all of star wars is about coming together as a group all of the light side is about being stronger together Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you go legends, you you think of uh, the Darth Bane books, where uh, the only reason that the dark side could never win is because they were always at each other's throats. You know, what I mean, sure. even on the light side, you had the the army of light, and they were brothers, and they made each other stronger. Um, and the Clone Wars, the clone troopers were brothers, and they made each other stronger. Oh, yeah. Rule of two. The rule of two doesn't really allow for that. Nope. There's only no. two of you. Yeah, you can't make each other stronger, but that other one's gonna try to kill you at some point. Uh, <laughs> and that's like you can, that is you can you have inquisitors too, I guess. Like I know Palpatine like bent the rule of two a lot, but like that's not family. That's like you're my minion. It's not like like when Ahsoka and Anakin were like master and apprentice, like 
they were like brother and sister. But when in Rebels, when it's Darth Vader and like the six sister, like the different Inquisitors, like they're not family. They're just they're just co-workers, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. And that's confirmed fully in the 2015 and 2017 Vader runs where he has no problem lopping off people's eyes or body parts or whatever. If you, if you wondered if the uh, inquisitors were um, friends, uh, Vader's first run in with the grand inquisitor was kill him or be killed. And then Palpatine was like, (laughs) sorry, Vader was so, uh, Hayden Christensen there because he's like, "Hey man, he tried to kill me," and Bobby's like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Well, if if he had killed me, would you have like taken him on?" He's like, "Of course," but did he have a chance? Like, well, no. Then shut up. <laughs> like, I don't know, it's just, <laughs> it's 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 just great. Um, and uh, Victoria. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot to say as far as what we know now with all of the wonderful extended films, novels, um, shows, etc. Uh, I, I think there's so much that's added. And I think it's amazing. Like the, the root of all of this is those first three movies. Um, and like you guys said about the themes of family, of acceptance, of love. I think those are throughout that and in, in every woven through every fiber of it. And start, uh, uh, the like entirety of the story this whole time was to embody the universal and the specific. And so that's why we all have such a wonderful personal relationship with Star Wars, but that's what's so beautiful that we can share it with others and find common interests, find things that we love together um and i always compare star wars to a puzzle and it's like we all get different pieces and we can put it together together um and we can like turn these pieces see what fits see what doesn't see what pieces we still need um and i think that's what makes star wars so wonderful and what makes it so lasting it's not something that's going away and i i always am just so enamored and enchanted by that like it was just a movie in 1977 that they kind of were gonna have some fun with and see just to see and it ended up here and so I think that's like a really wonderful connective thing um that's worldwide that's absolutely worldwide um and that's I don't know it's like I say like Star Wars is a heritage it's something we can share it's something collective um as far as like how the new media um, or like extended media challenges the way we view the original trilogy. I think there's so much of that. And um, so often, like I talk about like my feelings on the sequel trilogy or the prequel trilogy and how much it can be said that they enhanced so much of the story of the original trilogy and how they branched like fr- like a tree from roots um, and how beautiful that is. I know um, my something that comes up a lot because I make Darth Vader content on TikTok uh, is the, it's too late for me. And just that concept alone, like, is it ever too late to change and to be better to, um, and like what we were talking about, like his redemption was not a one choice thing. It was grueling. It was tooth and nail. It was crawling, like trying to pull yourself up out of this pit. Um, And like, like what I read from the novelization, like, 
they're, they're, like the communal act of sharing that with Luke, he helped him climb out of that. He was not in the pit of lava anymore. He could climb out of that fire um, because he did it with someone else. And like, like all of you guys were saying, and so I, I am very honored to be on this podcast, number one, but I don't want to get ch- corny or cheesy, but that's what's so beautiful about all of this. Like we are in a time of isolation. We're in a time of distance, yet we are connecting over Star Wars. Like we're all at different polar ends of this world right now on our computers, you know, the day before Thanksgiving, like, I'm very thankful that we have something like this to connect over. Um, and I think that's something beautiful For now sure. that we've had all this extended media um, to see. As far as like what that says for the trilogy, I, I, I mentioned a little bit about um, how the prequel trilogy and the dialogue. I know we talk a lot about the dialogue in the prequel trilogy. It's the it's like the only reason Revenge of the Sith isn't at the top of my life. <laughs> It's just because of like, like some of it is great, but like, it is. but there's also like a lot of it that's not like when Padme and Anakin are talking to each other after like they just no, it's because I'm so in love with you. Literally, every time I watch that, I'm just like, right, so that has blinded you. Perfect. And then when people, okay, people always rag on me for like. Like, I don't want to say I hate, like, anything in Star Wars, but I definitely strongly dislike Attack of the Clones. Like, Chaco, I know you said, like, Last Jedi is, like, second for you, and, like, I know you know that, like, it's towards the bottom for me, but, like, Attack of the Clones, that's just, like, personal preference. I don't think, like, mm-hmm. it's an unlikable movie or anything, just like I don't think Attack of the Clones is an unlikable movie. But for me, those two go head in head a lot, because it's, like, just personal stuff I don't like with The Last Jedi, but as, like, an actual written movie and whatnot, and dialogue-wise, Attack of the Clones is so much worse. Like, with so much of the dialogue with Anakin and Padme, it's just so bad and cringy. And then when people tell me, like, well, if you ignore Anakin and Padme, it's a good movie. I was like, okay, I'm not going to tell you to go watch Iron Man and then tell you to ignore Tony Stark. Like, that's what you just told me to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, they're, they're the crux of the movie. So, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But sorry to interrupt you, Victoria. No, it, that's totally fine. I mean, um, the dialogue for me in the prequels, like we all have something to say about it. But for me, there's so much poetry in it that maybe not was executed perfectly. Um, or maybe a couple more drafts of the dialogue could have been made. However, I think there's so much beauty in the way that it mirrors a lot of the original trilogy dialogue, um, the, particularly the Darth Vader Anakin uh, arc like you know I mentioned about the my name is Anakin I'm a person and that name no longer has any meaning for me and when he is confessing his love to Padme that's probably the cringiest scene in all of Star Wars history well that's saying something but uh he's confessing his love and he says I will do anything you ask that hits me really hard every single time because it has the same energy as what is thy bidding my master mm-hmm. because he grew up in this idea of good behavior equals good results. And like, you know, growing up as a slave on Tatooine, he did things so that he could- Oh, you're just breaking me right now. I'm okay. sorry. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> I, 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 I haven't even like gone through this. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just really heavy. And so you see like, yes, that dialogue could be cringy, but I think it's so, it's heavy because you're seeing that he equates if he does the right thing, good things will happen. And that did not happen with his mother. 
He did everything right. Mm-hmm. He was the great Jedi under Obi-Wan. He did everything he was supposed to do and he didn't get the results. His mother died in his arms. And so it's, it's like, you know, you see his turn. Like a lot of people say, you don't see his turn in the prequels. You see it. And uh, to me, um, like you saw more Clone Wars and stuff, but Clone Wars didn't help any for sure. Like with like saying he didn't have a turn to the dark side or whatever. And so, yeah, you're watching him essentially run as fast as he can possibly Mm -hmm. run, but it's not fast enough. Yes. Nothing he ever will do is fast mm -hmm. enough. And he has to find out how, how can I get fast enough? Yeah. And other Um, than his mother, no one loved him for who he was, but what he had done. So, or like in his warped brain, he was thinking like Obi-Wan loves me because I'm powerful. I am the chosen one and I'm going to be a good Jedi. Qui-Gon loved me for those same reasons. Padme loves me because I'm a good Jedi and I'm powerful and I'm attractive or whatever. So Luke looked at him and saw his terribleness, like what you're saying, Emily. She, he, he saw, she, he was a monster and he loved him through that. And yeah. so he didn't have to do anything to earn that love. In fact, he did everything opposite to get that love. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's just so much from the prequel and sequel trilogy that expands on what we know about um, the original trilogy and the characters that we get, know and love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this, is, this one's a, a big one, but a lot of uh, things that I get comments on is how the sequels ruined and can sacrifice and I get a lot of comments about that and I will admit my first reaction to Palpatine's back is oh my gosh like I was angry um but it has nothing to do with Anakin Anakin did that for himself for his love for Luke and I think it actually enhances his sacrifice in many ways because it was the only thing in his entire life he had ever done for himself Mm-hmm. and for for someone else and, and it was not this grand thing for the universe he didn't do it to bring balance to the force even if he did that's not yeah. why he did it it's yeah. not why he did that's it. what he accomplished it wasn't that's goal. exactly and so he he yeah he sacrificed in love he didn't sacrifice for glory for power for the chosen one he wasn't the chosen one he was anakin skywalker in that moment he was luke's father he was the husband of someone he loved. He saw himself, he saw the person he loved, he saw their child and he wanted to sacrifice himself for that, not for this greater universe that he had been serving his entire life. Um, To go off something you said, Victoria, earlier Mm -hmm. that just in the back of my mind, it kind of has to do with Chaco a little bit too. So um, if you remember um, Chaco, you like made a video uh, I'm not sure how long ago it was because when I see people in my following for you page, literally I could see them from like five months ago and I wouldn't know. Um, but I think it was kind of recent and it was about like, um, maybe it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you about like how um, a big re- a reason, another reason why Anakin wasn't given the rank of master is because he never successfully trained a Padawan to go to the rank of Jedi because Ahsoka left. Um, and when I first saw that, like, I don't know, like if you think the Jedi were right or whatever, but personally, I just don't like them because of like certain ways of like, you know, they didn't let Anakin save his mother. They didn't let him do this. And like, like they probably shouldn't have had like Anakin there in the first place, but I feel like there definitely were certain things that like on both sides that could have been done better. But like, when I think about it, like when we think about Ahsoka, she's one of the most, like currently one of the most powerful force users 
when she was when she left the Jedi Order, she was able to capture Maul. When we see her in Rebels, or like before we even see her Rebels, she was able to take out an Inquisitor with her bare hands and then take her take their lightsaber. Yeah. And like Anakin trained that. Anakin did do that. And like, you know, like Victoria literally just said he was doing all the right things and thought it would lead us something great. He was doing all the right things. In fact, he even found Ahsoka innocent, got her like off trial, and she still left him. Like whether she intended to or not, she still left him. And then, like Chaco said, the council punished him for that, like saying it was his fault. But in reality, like it was the fault of the council for not sticking with her. And like that just like made like that just hit me hard. Like when you were talking about that, and I real made that connection. Just yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's so many, but that that is what makes Star Wars have depth. Is that each and every person. No one is a, a mustache twirling evil person for no reason. Every single mm-hmm. thing that happens, they were doing the best that they could. It's just that they either couldn't see the whole picture, or things came to a head, or or whatever. Um, I I gotta I gotta bring out uh, Brooks uh, B Dazzler's uh, comment here. She says, but. Why do you need to pay attention to Anakin and Padme when Obi Wan and his beautiful mullet exist? Um, <laughs> the Obi Wan mullet. It's the the Jesus days uh, is, is what I call them. Oh yeah, it's glorious. So the thing with he looks that, like a young Simba. So the thing <laughs> with that, yeah. Um, let me put it this way. So the last time I had like a huge Star Wars movie marathon was May the 4th. Um, that was, like, this was back before I was even, like, big on TikTok. I don't, like, want to, like, com- like say... That's before I ever made content ever for anything, so... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, it was definitely way back in the day. Um, literally, the only person on Star Wars TikTok I knew was Alana. Um, and literally, I, like, I watched The Phantom Menace, and I was, like, trying to, like, start the marathon before, like, Clone Wars came out, and then when it came out, I stopped, and then I continued to watch it. Um, but I watched Phantom Menace, I was like, all right, that was good, that was definitely, like, a lot better than I remembered as a kid, um, and then I wa- and then I go into Attack of the Clones, I'm like, all right, let's keep an open mind, it's May the 4th, I'm sure I'll find some good stuff, and it's just, like, as soon as Anakin just enters the scene, it's like, I, <laughs> I smell horny, like, that's just what, like, it's just there. He's emitting it through the screen, and it's so bad. And then it's, like, it's just so, and then, like, he talks to Padme, and I'm, like, my five-year-old autistic self could have done a better job than you're doing right now. Please just stop talking. And then whenever it's, like, Obi-Wan... And Django, like, yes, it's a great scene. In fact, like, I, I even say every time I, like, review Attack of the Clones, like, I love Obi-Wan side story, and I love, like, Yoda versus Dooku. And that's about the extent of what I love about Attack of the Clones. There's <laughs> some really cool, like, visual symbolism in Attack of the Clones. Like, the drink that uh, they serve Anakin at the Lars homestead right before he goes to the Tuscan Raider village is red. And in every, like, every other person. I also, I do remember, like, bef- right before that scene, like, Obi-Wan was like, why do I feel like you'll be the death of me? And then, like, yep. you know, <laughs> that's always, that that's always, like, fun mm-hmm. to realize. Yeah. No, they've done such, such a great job. Um, all right. Uh, oh, God. I could talk to you guys forever, but. I'm sorry. We, we, I, I, I do have to have to close this out. Um, if. 
All right, so you you have the Lucasfilm green stamp. You get the green light any project that you want. TV show, movie, game, whatever you want. Whatever to your heart's consent. Um, what, what are you going to green light? And then also, we do want to wrap this up. So um, if you have any final thoughts, share them with us. But where can we find you? And, uh, and and your stuff. And for that, I will start with uh, Emily. Okay, so if I can do anything on, on your question sheet, it said from this period. So I wrote down, um, I remember when Rogue One came out and like it wasn't really clear what it was going to be about. I always thought it was going to be about to the moment in this movie where Mon Mothma says many Bothans died for this information. So I would want a Rogue One-esque movie about the Bothans, whoever that is. I don't know if there's maybe another story about them. There might be. Um, I haven't looked it up. <laughs> but I think it'd be cool to have a Rogue One-esque story about the Bothans and how they stole the Imperial shuttle and how they got the clearance code. Um, if I'm it's an older code. I mean, if it was anything, if I could do anything, it would be a Rebel sequel, but that's, you know, besides Alyssa the point. is absolutely praising you right now. She's watching this. Who? Alyssa Tano. I love Alyssa. I knew, I almost mentioned her because she would 100% agree. Um, closing thoughts. I don't know. I feel like we've covered everything that I really wanted to touch on for this movie and why I love it. Um, so my TikTok is Emily Elizabeth Wren. That's kind of my only. I do Star Wars little things, just kind of random. My dad's made an appearance. Um, I actually asked him about uh, this movie because I wanted his, because he obviously had seen them all in theaters. And um, he said, actually, since there was such a big gap in between this movie and Empire, he didn't see it right away. Um, I think it was like three years. It was like a while. Two, two or three years and he was like I kind of forgot about it like I didn't see it for a while um he mentioned that the special effects were super cool like um the scene where they're in Andor they're on the speeders he that just like blew his mind as a kid um my mom said she did go and see it because like right when it came out because there was all the suspense about like what happened to Han Solo like how are they gonna wrap the story up and they both said that they didn't have any particular like qualms with how it ended that they both liked how it wrapped the story up um yeah so and it wasn't just a cash grab for toys uh, <laughs> I, I know I there, there was some discord on uh whether or not luke would end up on the dark side yes. and that uh, uh george lucas decided yeah. not to go that route for for toy sales which yeah well they both, they both mentioned that like by this point like obviously star wars when it came out was just star wars nobody knew what it was empire came out and so by this point there were star wars fans like this is the first movie where there was really hardcore fans already so i think i mean Empire, I don't know if it was necessarily as like highly regarded as it is now. Um, but 
I can imagine that there would have been a little bit of pressure coming off of like, okay, how are they going to tie this up? How are they going to end it? And I think it's a perfect ending. So awesome. I love it. And then uh, Jacob, um, green light so- button, and uh, and where can we find you? Yeah, so green light button for me, I wrote this down. Um, I kind of would want a story about like where the heck Ahsoka was during Return of the Jedi, because or not just Return of the Jedi, but like the see uh, the original trilogy in general. Because like I know Rebels, um, like it's right before A New Hope, and then it like ends and they time jump and they're like, yeah, Rex was in Battle of Endor and um, we like helped with the rebellion and like you can hear like the ghost being referenced and um, Rogue One and whatnot. And I think those are cool and all, but like, you know, me, Ahsoka's my favorite character. Um, it's not even close actually. Um, second one is probably Obi-Wan, but it's like, they're, they're like two different levels. Um, so whenever I think about stuff like that, I was like, okay, where's Ahsoka? Like, why is she not here? Like helping with the rebellion? Where is she right now? What's going on? I like, we saw her last where she was like in this white cloak or whatever. And she seemed like, she looked like a Gandalf, the white kind of thing. But like, I want to know how we got from like her with her dual, like white lightsabers to there. Like, I just want to know. And like, we might know more like there. I know there's like rumors to be an Ahsoka series. I know like, she's probably going to show up in Mando and like, you know, like literally like a few hours at this point, kind of, but like, I don't think Mando would cover like all that. Like, I think no they way. would, just, there's like, I doubt they will, but I feel like they'd give some background, but I'd still want like what was going on there. Um, so that's definitely something I would do. Um, final thoughts. Um, I do want to say this. Um, I, I kind of saw this theory um, from my buddy, Will Rivers, and I think it would make, um, it kind of got me thinking. Um, you know how we're talking about how like a bunch of stuff Star Wars has made so far, like just adds to like Return of the Jedi's ending um, and like makes it more impactful. Like I kind of want that to happen with like the sequel trilogy, if that makes sense. Like I want their, like Mando's kind of doing it a little bit more. Like they're kind of leading in towards it. But, like, I feel like if we learned more about what Luke lost when Kylo, like, destroyed his, like, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to say temple, but, like, you know, the people he was training, like, who all was lost? Like, what did they mean to him? And maybe that could, like, lead more into, like, why Luke just went away. Because uh, I personally found that weird first time watching. I still kind of find it weird, but it definitely makes more sense than my first time watching it. But I feel like... For example, the theory was, what if Mando ends with Mando giving the child to Luke, um, saying, take care of him, and then he brings him and tr- tries and train him, and then Kylo kills him in the process. Um, yeah. And then Wait, that, I love that. That, oh, no. that like, <laughs> add so much depth to, like, oh, what I love. I've never thought of that. Yeah. I love that. Yes. So... But a, like, I love that. B, I also love what uh, what Megan just said in the chat was, uh, "My name is Ahsoka Tano. You killed my father. Prepare to die." <laughs> 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 that, that's for for different reasons. <laughs> um, like that's kind of also something I might want to see, but like I I don't want to say like that's where I would take it with my green stamp because like. I feel like they're probably maybe leaning in towards that. And uh, as to where you can find me, I am JC Brady on TikTok. I do like Marvel and Star Wars stuff. I was doing Avatar The Last Airbender for a little bit, but I'm pretty sure Atla TikTok's dead now. So I don't think... Netflix revival. (laughs) Yeah, um, I don't think I'll be doing that as much. Uh, 
but also I do have Instagram too. It's JCB dot like R A D Y. I'm not as active on there, but like I do like some other stuff on there. Like I would, I recently did like a Star Wars movie and TV show bracket. I'm probably gonna do something like with other stuff soon. I got suggestions for other stuff, but uh, it's finals week in college, and I have spent the past three weeks literally just just doing homework like i just started making like yesterday i made more tiktoks to put in my drafts but like i was living off a of draft for three weeks so <laughs> not there, there's nothing wrong with that um uh also i, I will oh, i will say that uh so I, I recently did a star wars trivia um i saw that and um who won that because dunny um i am dunny was like talking about how he lost to you <laughs> Well, uh, the finals came down to me in Element Seven, um, so I, I, I will I will say that. But um, Element Seven and I are going to put on another trivia, so we can't compete. We'll leave it up to everyone else, and we're, we're gonna try to make it a big thing. I want all three of you guys in, if possible. I would absolutely love that. I don't know anything about Star Wars. <laughs> I, for real, like a lot of my accounts, like I answer comment responses, but a lot of the times I either look them up or like I get them from Darth Chaco or Element Seven. Like I barely know anything compared to like. Uh, you know. I, I know my Darth Vader stuff. Star oh, Wars. No. I saw a comment on Darth Chaco's one of his videos recently that said, um, "Like if I have a question Star Wars, I go to Chaco before I go to Google." And I just thought, that <laughs> yeah, literally. literally. <laughs> So, but, but that's that's what I mean. Is is Elman and I won't be competing. <laughs> uh, we're leaving it open. We're, we're designing the questions, but we 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 need you guys there. You design the questions. I'm out. There's no chance. No shot. <laughs> you if you get I am Dunny again, I'm pretty sure he'll win. <laughs> I I feel like um okay. So I'll send you guys the previous tournament that uh, we were just in, mm -hmm. um and uh. If you know a lot of the questions, then you can feel confident that you'll do well here. There's a lot of people that would never enter a tournament, but they know more than the people that would enter the tournaments. And that's that's how I feel. So I, I would I would love I would love it. But um No, yeah, I want yeah. to be a part of it. I just don't think I'll do well, if that makes sense. Doesn't matter. For Doesn't sure. matter. We would be honored if you would join us. Around. <laughs> uh, th that being said, um, we'll go to Victoria. Closing thoughts, green stamp, and where can we find you? So um, my closing thoughts, I have chatted for two hours and 27 minutes on all of it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, um, I love the words that Luke says to Darth Vader. Um, right before he passes, he says, I won't leave you. And that just, that really is a wonderful thing because it reminds us to keep with it. Like, don't leave. You can, you have faith in the things that are absolutely unfaithable and not even real words, but <laughs> have faith in these things, um, have faith in yourself. And I think that that's like something that's big in Star Wars is, um, that trust in, in who you are and remember who you are kind of thing. Um, and so 
that, my green light project, my brain is one track. Y'all know I'm very predictable. I would love, love, because we've seen Darth Vader um, in the original trilogy and we've seen him through the comics and in Rogue One. Um, and in some extended material, of course. But I would love for the comics to get screen treatment. I, I know that they already exist, but that would be amazing. Particularly, yeah. I don't know if I can handle this 2020 run, I'm going to be honest. But <laughs> same. Like, I, um, every single time I go into the Sorry, store, I'm like, I'm, yes, hello. <laughs> So you, it's for emotional support because she heard that we're talking about the 2020 comics. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think those would be a really interesting, like almost like a 360 degree view of what's happening between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, because we see Luke's, you know, absolutely like he's deflated at the end of his revelation that he is Darth Vader's son. And then we see Darth Vader building himself up. Um, also getting taken apart, but a lot of, a lot of development there. Yeah. Um, so I would love for the comics to get screen treatment. I'd love to see Dr. Afra, please, I'm begging, but, um, I guess from this period, that's what I would want to see. Some, some Dr. Afra, some comic material getting some screen treatment, but, um, Yeah. I, y'all know me. I would consume any star, any and all Star Wars media. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as where you can find me, I'm it's Victoria y'all on TikTok and Instagram. And after Return of the Jedi, I will return to TikTok. I promise. I'll get back. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, take your time. Take your time. And I always always love having you here. Everyone here, you're, you guys are all welcome back. The hardest thing. The more of these I do is knowing who to have because I want to have everyone. And it's just, yeah, yeah it's, 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 I uh... threw myself out there. For this one. <laughs> I was like, if there's ever going to be a time that I come back, this is the one that I want. <laughs> and I'm so happy you did. Um, for me, green light button, I've said it a few times, but um, I, I need, actually, I'm going to add something to it. So, A, I need uh, a story that is Ray looking over Je uh, Luke's Jedi texts that he has made annotations and notes and things in. And I want her to start forming her own Jedi, um, her own version of the Jedi, but it's through flashbacks. So she looks at this passage. It's a flashback to Luke in his prime reading this going to this force sensitive group learning whatever lesson he learned and annotating whatever he did that's mm -hmm. what i i think that's what we need we need prime luke and then this is also setting up the future at mm -hmm. the very same time i think that's the ultimate okay so one question um animated or live action animated agreed uh, mm -hmm. there's no way we can budget wise do this live action it's not yeah, even in the question too. <laughs> I like said in like a no nuance November. I was like, I want a Clone Wars like TV show for the sequels. And when I said that, like I meant it as like, so Rebels and Resistance are like they focus on brand new characters that take place during those time periods, but Clone Wars builds off of already established characters. And so I kind of want that for like um, 
the sequel trilogy too i feel like it, they would get a lot less hate because of that because you know we're all generally older here victoria i don't actually know your age but i'm guessing you're kind of um oh. just from how you're talking um like i'm sure we remember growing up hating the prequel hating the prequels was a trend like how hating the sequels is yeah. now and now people love the prequels and i feel like a big reason because of that was because clone wars came out and helped it um and i feel like the same would happen for the sequels if we did something like that and it doesn't even have to be like oh it were in the middle of a war it could be like yeah it could be after rise of skywalker maybe ray's training finn like how we saw in the holiday special a little bit and other yeah. on top of like other stuff as well and like just building off those characters and the character arcs and like even flashbacks like you said i didn't even think about that but that would be awesome i feel like that's something disney yeah. should try and look into but i'm not sure if they will just because of all the backlash they've gotten from the sequel trilogy and and, and i feel like the the backlash and stuff is harming with the development of future stuff more oh, than it's yeah. helping in in, in my opinion, but yeah, so that first project would be twofold. It would establish a future going forward of a more perfect Jedi Order, as mm-hmm. well as give us the prime Luke that we've all been wanting to see for forever. Um, second thing I want is I need a game. I need a new video game. I did talked about this on TikTok uh, like last week, but I need it in the style of somewhere in between GTA. Uh, between Grand Theft Auto and um, Skyrim. And you are Kyle Katarn. Okay, this is... You know, screw it. I'm just going to give you guys my full pitch, right? Kyle Katarn, uh, and we'll say in this iteration, he was part of an eight-man super elite commando group. You drop these eight people in. Like, if if this planet doesn't want to cooperate with the Empire, drop these eight people on the planet somewhere come back in two weeks and they're ready to be subjected right like that's the this elite group um and then operation cinder happens i want half of this group to defect uh and the character kyle katarin who you are is just trying to like live a normal life the other people that defected with him are trying to do their own thing but they're running gangs they're doing all this other stuff uh and you find out that the four members that didn't defect dropped on your planet two days ago. And you know what these people are capable of in two weeks. And you have to figure out what are they doing? What are they planning? How are they subverting um, the entire Republic? um, And how can I stop it? And that's, that's what the game is. Um, you can pick, you can join, you know, and it's you, you're trying to still live, right? You can join the Bounty Hunters Guild, uh, an Assassin's Guild, you can join a Mandalorian Guild, you can do whatever you want. Um, but if you know Kyle Katarn, you also know that he's force sensitive. So as you go through, there'll be different Jedi temples, relics, books, whatever that you can find to uncover your force sensibility and slowly develop it over the course of the game. Anyway, that's my pitch. That's what I want more than anything. I feel like <laughs> that would be printing money. I will dis Disney. Mm-hmm. I will write this game. <laughs> I already already have it written. Just just give me a call. I mean, 
I am in Orlando studying game design at UCF. EA's right here. So if that ends up, you know, if I get a job there, I might have to like pitch this to them. I mean, do it. Uh, Element 7, you do game design. You're in the comments. So if that pops up, I have the story written. I have all of this written already. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, thank you guys so much for joining me here. This was an awesome conversation. I love talking stories with other Star Wars fans. It's like the highlight of my week. So I, I really appreciate you guys all. Um, and, uh, and anyone, if you're watching this, please go follow them because they all make uh, amazing content and uh, emily has the most positive upbeat comments of anyone like <laughs> i always just smile every time i see an emily comment uh, like i'm like so happy you know yeah. um <laughs> but saying, uh, i thought you were saying she gets the most upbeat comments and i was like i hmm? I was like, I feel like, I feel like no one gets upbeat comments if you're in the Star Wars TikTok universe. You know what though? It's it's surprising. So uh, one of the reasons, because uh, I've had my problems with certain movies, but I've had so many people that tell me like, "Hey, I wasn't confident posting about Star Wars because of how much hate there is," and your content helped to give me the confidence to start making Star Wars content, and oh, I love that. it. And so that is like, ah, it's worth it. Right, yeah. Suki? Yeah, yeah. She, so, so Suki agrees with me. She doesn't know what's going on. But um, <laughs> anyways, that's, that's why, that's why I haven't, I've actually almost stopped several times and you guys have kept me going because of those, those comments. So I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for joining me and may the force be with you always. Yay! May the force be with you.